The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday, May 17th meeting of the Ann Arbor Planning Commission. While we are conducting this meeting in person, we will provide virtual opportunities to address the commission during public hearings. Please be patient if there are technical issues. Mr. Leonard, will you call the roll? Yes. Commissioner Mills? Commissioner Gibrandle? Present. Commissioner Sove? Commissioner Abrams? Here. Commissioner Hammerschmidt? Here. Commissioner Dish? Here. Commissioner Lee? Here. Commissioner Clark? Here. Commissioner Weich? Here. Uh, we have a quorum. We have seven members present. Just a reminder that it takes six affirmative votes to advance a petition. All right, we are on to item three, which is the approval of the agenda. Uh, may I have a motion to approve the agenda? Commissioner Lee, moved by Commissioner Lee, seconded by Commissioner White. Any discussion of the motion? No discussion. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? The motion carries. Alrighty, item four is the minutes of the previous meeting. Uh, may I have a motion to approve the minutes of May 4th, 2022? Commissioner Dish, moved by Commissioner Dish, seconded by uh, Commissioner Abrams. Is there any discussion of the minutes? No discussion of the minutes. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? The motion carries. We are on to item five, which is reports from uh, City Administration and City Council. Um, Commissioner? Yes. Uh, council member district. Yes, Excuse either me. way. Uh, uh, report. So council met last night and passed a $500 million budget. And um, it includes $700,000 for the master plan update. And I can't think of anything that totally jumps out for planning interest, but perhaps Mr. Leonard. Um, I think the budget might include an additional planning position um, on a temporary basis as well. So um, I'm still I'm still going to moderate your work program. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, that is a long time coming. So I am very happy to hear that news. That's great. Can I also add that uh, Commissioners Lee, Hammerschmidt, and Abrams were reappointed to oh, ah, uh, Planning Commission last night? <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, Commissioner White. We are glad that you are continuing to be with us. Mr. Leonard, any report from you? No reports this evening. Any commission officers or liaisons have anything to say? Nobody? All righty. We are on to item six, which is audience participation. Um, next is uh, there is an opportunity for persons to speak up to three minutes about an issue that is not listed as a public hearing on this agenda. Please note that the Planning Commission will be holding dedicated public hearings on 330 Detroit Street site plan. Proposed amendments to the Ann Arbor City Code of Chapter 55 Unified Development Code. Um, we have a couple of other items as well, but they do not have a public hearing uh, tonight. If you wish to address the Planning Commission on other matters besides these first two items, now is the appropriate time to speak on this matter. Press 9 if you're listening by phone or use the raise hand feature of viewing through the web link. For phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. 
City staff will select callers that have raised their hand and use the last three digits of your phone number or by name if available for those accessing through the web link. You will hear an audited announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area and mute any television or background sounds so that we may hear you clearly. For any speaker, please state your name and address at the beginning of the comments. First, though, anybody that's present that would like to um, address the Planning Commission before we get to the uh, online callers. No speakers? Alrighty. Um, any virtual hands raised at this point, Mr. Leonard? No virtual hands raised. Okay, seeing none, then we will, uh, I will close the public hearing and move on to item seven, uh, which is the public hearings for the next business meeting. So Mr. Leonard, would you please appraise us of those? Yes, we have two public hearings, new public hearings scheduled for the June 7th, 2022 uh, commission meeting. First is 340 Depot Street Site Plan and Plan Unit Development Rezoning. This is a proposed 7,800 square foot development consisting of four residential units and 5,891 square foot commercial use on ground floor on a 0.15 acre site currently zoned Z1, uh, C1B being proposed for PUD. Second is the Wizard Fireworks Special Exception Use at 2449 West Stadium Boulevard, an application for temporary outdoor sales at Westgate Shopping Center in the parking area facing Jackson Road to set up a temporary tent to sell fireworks, sporting goods, and seasonable, seasonal items um, over approximately 10 parking spaces. Thank you very much. We will move on then to our regular business part of the meeting, which is item 8A. I would like to introduce 330 Detroit Street site plan for planning commission approval. This is the proposed construction of a 14 unit residential building, uh, 23 um, on-site parking spaces on 1,850 square feet of ground, tail, ground floor retail on a 0.23 acre parcel zone D2 in the Carytown district. So, uh, just give me a moment here. We've got yep. several people to promote. That'd be great. And uh, the petitioner has 10 minutes to present to the Planning Commission. Okay, to the petitioner, is there anybody that you're expecting that I have not brought into the meeting? Uh, I don't think so. I think you've got them all. Thanks, Brett. Okay, and will any of you be sharing uh, visual as part of your PowerPoint, or as part of your 10-minute presentation, excuse me? Jim, Jim will. I think Jim plans to, and Mark is going to talk. Okay. You all set? Uh, should be all set. Right. Good evening. Thank you all for your time tonight. I'm Greg Kopp from MABD, the co-developers of this project, um, participating from our office here in South State Commons. Joining me from our team tonight are <clears throat> our builder partner, Tom Fitzsimmons, from here in contracting, our civil engineer, Kathy Kineth, from uh, Macon Engineering, and our architects, Mark Ruder and Jim Scrivens, from uh, Ruder Associates. 
We're excited to present our project, 330 Detroit Street, bringing new residential units to the Currytown area and a currently underutilized site with no stormwater treatment, replacing two obsolete buildings and a surface parking lot. The building will be a LEED Gold certified project. We've developed a preliminary plan with our LEED consultant, Catalyst Partners, to meet that standard, which includes significantly exceeding code requirements for energy efficiency. Uh, the building also will have a green roof and EV charging for every residential unit. Um, and with that, I guess we're here to answer questions, but I'd like to turn it over to uh, Mark to give a brief overview of the project design. Are you uh... Okay, can you hear me? Everybody can, can hear me? Okay. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, Jim, uh, in my office, who is the project architect for this, will be running the uh, slides while I'll be talking. And so I'll have uh, Jim put up the, um, the images there. Okay, the first image really is a <clears throat> Google 3D Earth photograph of uh, Detroit Street, which I want to spend a little bit of time on and just saying how we drive the form for the building anyway. As you can see, uh, it starts way down at the end of where the People's Food Co-op starts and it proceeds up past the agricultural building or the White Swan building as it's sometimes known or uh, <clears throat> MAV Developments building past the farmer's market and uh, past some other buildings all in the way. Now, this street has a very definite sign of character because it cuts through other streets, creating many opportunities for unique buildings, um, starting down at the People's Food Co-op, which is an interesting building, going past the uh, <clears throat> farmer's market. And then we also have uh, 415 Detroit Street, right down at the point here, which is a really interesting little flat iron building. And then it goes past Zingerman's uh, delicatessen there which has its face sort of sheared off. So there are a lot of interesting things that happen on the street. And that's what gave us uh, some inspiration for how to do this building. So Jim, let's go to the <clears throat> next uh, uh, slide, please. So part of the inspiration for this was the <clears throat> uh, market building here, which was uh, built a, a number of years ago as an addition to the White Swan building. And we are using design elements that have been borrowed from this building, particularly the uh, large, heavy uh, base on this building, the concrete base, uh, the brick, and then a lighter top. In this case, it's uh, <clears throat> green spandrel glass and green curtain wall. So that kind of gave us an idea about how to approach uh, this building. So let's go to the next slide then, please, Jim. And so as you can see here, um, there are a number of features that we've incorporated here. And one of those is quite a lot of um, open areas and crenellations along the, the edge of the building. And this gets us a massing situation in which the building is divided into three discrete elements. Um, the there is a patio <clears throat> open area alongside of suite 101 here which is step back from the sidewalk giving a nice little sitting area or patio area for the users of those buildings 
And there is the parking that is <clears throat> shown in green. And then down in the right-hand corner is the uh, ramp to the lower level where there's additional parking down there. The building is set back from the Detroit Street filling station about uh, 54 inches, I think it is. <clears throat> and um, back from uh, what used to be Jessica's apothecary, <clears throat> Uh, it's set back from that for uh, constructability purposes. You also <clears throat> should note that there is a stairway uh, exposed to the sidewalk there, and that's the main fire exit. And it has a lot of glass in the front, and it exposes a, a lighted steel sort of sculptural stairway, which would be a kind of a nice pedestrian asset there. Uh, there is uh, a little uh, area off of the main, beside just to the north of the ramp down to the basement, there is a little area for uh, a light vehicle to pick up uh, a private trash from the residents. And they will just pull in there, pick up uh, private trash, and haul it to an off-site like, uh, storage and disposal area. Uh, let's go to the next <clears throat> slide. Okay, here are <clears throat> three uh, perspectives, and um, let's go to the top left-hand hand one there. Um, the You can <clears throat> see the heavy rusticated base that's concrete there, and uh, excuse me. Uh, Sorry. Um, <clears throat> above that is the a brick um, curtain <clears throat> or, or a brick elevation that is um, taking the um, that is that is hiding the uh, facade of the residential building there, and then the the white curtain wall system, or not curtain wall, but rather white metal panel system. Uh, is a light sort of element on the top. And over the entranceway is a, a sort of a placeholder for a artistic sculptural canopy that will later be uh, designed and uh, incorporated as a, as a design feature here. Um, <clears throat> on the other facade, and Jim can point this out on the south um, <clears throat> the, the area is <clears throat> A, are panels for art or decorative elements. And um, the lower, lower materials there are a very dark vitrified brick. And the area is, has quite a lot of open uh, glazed areas, decorative panels, and it has a lot of landscaping set in the indentations there. Um, upon the right-hand side is upper right. <clears throat> you can see how much area is devoted to outdoor um, private use for residents. There's a large uh, <clears throat> patios on the uh, southwest side there. And that also <clears throat> helps the building step back a little bit from, from the filling station. And if you were to go down uh, the ramp, you'll also see the the um, the mural that's painted on the north side of the um, 
filling station there, that will be exposed and could be lighted so that that mur mural won't be covered up. Um, so I think uh, there's some large <clears throat> glazed areas on the top and many balconies. And I think that sort of wraps up my end of it here. And I think if you later have questions, uh, Jim, and I'll be able to answer those. So um, on to the next person. Is that all from the petition team? Yeah, I think that's all we had, uh, Brett and Matt. If Matt wanted to add something uh, to that, we're obviously here for questions. Yep. Okay, thank you. Uh, I guess I'll uh, kind of wrap it up in a little bit of summary here, really, and highlight project evolution. But really, on this one, there wasn't a lot. Um, so uh, again, what we're looking at, a, a brief summary here, it's about a 32,000 square foot mixed use building, as they mentioned, 14. Uh, units and approximately 2,000 square feet of retail or office space on the ground level, which would be located kind of towards that, tri you know, the, the point of the triangle area there. They are going, going obviously, as mentioned, for LEED Gold certification. That enabled them to get an extra uh, premium, about, I believe it's about 123. Yes, yeah, so three, the base FAR is 200% in the D2 district. So by utilizing the lead premiums for environmental sustainability, they're up, they were able to get up, you can go a little bit higher, but they're at 323%. Um, <clears throat> so they will be providing lead. Um, petitioner can highlight some of those methods, methods and they did uh, highlight on that. Um, they are uh, sporting, uh, they are going to be providing, not sporting, providing a, uh, a vegetated roof. So about 3,500 square feet of a vegetated roof. Um, also uh, additional, or not additional, but EV parking infrastructure will be provided. Um, previously that was, and, and actually when the plan was originally submitted, this would have been a project that would have want, went all the way to city council. Um, but as I'm sure hopefully plan officials were aware tonight, um, this is an approval now because it obviously fits within the zoning. So this is a by right approval by the planning commission here tonight. Um, and again, there's, there's really, uh, the design matches pretty closely to what the design review board had, had seen and, and what they had recommended. Um, <clears throat> the petitioner really worked the trickiest things probably, there are obviously, as you probably know now, there's no natural features on the site. There's no trees, no wetland or anything else like that. So nothing's going to be disturbed. Um, kind of the trickiest thing was working out some of the access points um, with our traffic engineer regarding the drives on Detroit as well as Fifth. Um, in addition to the solid waste. Uh, but obviously both of those issues have been solved to the satisfaction of city staff. Um, and really that kind of summarizes up, and of course staff is recommending approval of the project at this time. Uh, let me scan through my notes here, see if there's anything that I highlighted and missed. Um, no, I, I, that is it. And I am, uh, again, staff is recommending approval and I'm also available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you. All righty, we will move on to the public hearing for this um, petition. And this is the opportunity for persons to speak up to three minutes about the proposed 330 Detroit Street site plan. If you wish to address the Planning Commission on this item, press star nine if listening, listening by phone or use the raised hand feature if viewing through the web link. For phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand using the last three digits of your phone number or by name if available for those accessing through the web link. 
you will hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area and mute any television or background sound so that we may hear you clearly. For any speaker, please state your name and address at the beginning of your comments. Uh, first, is anyone present here that would like to speak to the Planning Commission on this? You may come forward and um, state your name and address, and then you will get three minutes to share your thoughts. Hi, uh, my name is Matthew Banks. Uh, I'm representing Detroit Street Filling Station on Detroit Street, the corner of Catherine Street. Um, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Uh, you know, at the filling station, we really uh, are looking forward to the opportunity of working with uh, the city and uh, our local neighbors and developers, MAV development on the building. The building's terrific. Uh, we love all the positives of the building. Um, our concerns about the building uh, are not about uh, its mission or what it's like when it's completed, but we have concerns uh, about us operating at the same time that the building is under construction. Uh, at the filling station, we're veterans of a number of these projects. The DDA Streetscape project uh, you know, ended up taking three times longer and a couple years longer on different sites uh, to complete. Uh, these projects have a huge effect on our business, uh, losing our utilities for a day, uh, losing, having diminished business for a week or two weeks uh, can really make or break our business. Um, I don't know how many of you have been in our business, but our business is pretty unique to Ann Arbor. Uh, although we run on very thin margins, it's because we have a big heart. Uh, we support a lot of people in the community that uh, are very underrepresented. People who uh, may be just out of uh, prison, people in the recovery community, people who don't have a bank account, people who don't have ID, uh, students, musicians, you name it. We support a lot of people. Uh, and we really love our home in Detroit Street. Uh, again, we look forward to this you know, opportunity of working with MAV, but we were really looking for you know, having a voice in what the construction site staging looks like. Uh, we'd really like some assurances from the city uh, about when uh, operations happen. Can we keep noise down? Can we keep idling trucks down? Uh, what can we do to all work together to really keep this a great neighborly project? Um, uh, so there's so much that we like about it. Uh, you know, kind of an over, overriding thing is, you know, that we feel like we need some of these concessions uh, to keep our business going. If we can't get assurances, uh, you know, the owner of our business is really uh, thinking about not keeping the business going. And that would be a, a real uh, loss for our community. Uh, it's a lot of work to go through these projects to uh, try and keep business afloat when, when things are 30 more seconds by construction. Uh, so we're really looking at, at what we can do to work together. We've met with MAV. They're super, they're, they're really straightforward and, and understanding. Uh, and, you know, I, I personally see this as an opportunity for all of us uh, to proceed, you know, together in a positive way. I think at MAV, they probably feel just like we do. When we're doing well and they're doing well, the whole city's doing well. So uh, we really look at, at working together on this project. The positives of this building are great for our neighborhood, uh, but we don't want the positives to be outweighed by the negatives. We don't want to lose our business. Uh, we need some help probably with this, uh, and that's really why I came here tonight to talk to you. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks Thank very much. Thank you. Anybody else from the audience that would like to have their three minutes, please state your name and address. 
Hi, I actually have two letters to read, so I may go over just a little bit. So I'm Lisa Young. I'm the chair of the Public Market Advisory Commission for the Ann Arbor Farmers Market. And my first letter is from one of our long-term vendors, uh, Carlene Getz of uh, Riga, Michigan. She says, I'm a long-term vendor at the Ann Arbor Farmers Market, and I have learned of the upcoming uh, construction of a housing project, the Detroit Street Project. Um, the construction phase of this project could be very detrimental to the market, a jewel of the city, and adjacent businesses. Parking is limited and appears to be reduced even more by this project. Noise, dust, and construction activities could greatly interfere with the existing businesses. Many of the businesses in the city uh, were lost as the result of the pandemic, and we don't need another interference to follow. If the city sees fit to approve this project, the least they can do is add uh, construction restrictions to the approval. Um, these should include using Fifth Street to stage the construction and limiting uh, dusty activities and noisy activities from interfering with the market on Wednesdays and Saturdays and at times with the neighboring restaurants uh, during their busy meal times. While this might be an approval, uh, an approved use of the property for this area, it should not be developed at the sacrifice of existing buildings. All of these small businesses provide necessary services for a residential, for a residential community. Every measure is, uh, to preserve them should be uh, enforced throughout the development process. These small businesses cannot survive through two years of turmoil at their front doorstep. Stage the construction on Fifth Street side and place restrictions on the construction process to be fair to those who are already located next door and across the street. So, um, and then my letter as uh, chair of the commission, the commission is charged with uh, providing support and stewardship from the Ann Arbor Farmers Market. And um, as has been expressed by the Detroit Filling Street Station, we are also concerned about the construction phase of the project. The project itself looks beautiful, uh, a lovely use of that space, but we are concerned about what will happen as, as the construction. And I, I, as you all know, the Ann Arbor Farmers Market has been the heart of Ann Arbor's local food system for over a century. It not only provides fresh and healthy food for the, from the surviving, sur surrounding farms uh, into the city, but it's also crucial for food access within the city and contributes to the economic and social sustainability of food and farming businesses in Ann Arbor, Washtenaw County, and beyond. So the Public Market Commission is concerned about the construction um, at the Detroit Street site, especially um, for the market itself, the Sunday Artisans Market, and the neighboring businesses. So I propose that um, uh, the, any impacts that will happen because of the construction be mitigated and min minimized in the following ways. First, create a document that has clear and transparently identifies those potential impacts of the construction project. Um, to develop a plan in conversation with the farmer's market staff and the neighboring businesses to minimize the impacts of the construction and then to hold regular meetings uh, throughout the construction project with the market staff and the neighboring businesses to provide regular updates on the various phases of construction. Specific issues that should be addressed in the plan are reduction of noise and dust, as Carlene has already mentioned, and also thinking about um, the specific impact of parking on Detroit Street. 
And as you also already all know that Detroit Street's a cobblestone street, and that really provides some of the historic character to that area, and so that's something else we should, should think about preserving. Um, you need to wrap it up. Okay. So uh, as uh, we've said, that the Detroit, or uh, that uh, suggestion is that things move to Fifth Avenue. That might block some traffic. But I, the, I work at the university, and there's a lot of traffic blockage right now at uh, South University and East University. Um, so uh, doing this, as uh, Detroit Filling Station has said, it will. Um, Help I think, with future I think residents and also yeah. be a good neighbor. I think we hear what you're saying, and it sounds right. like it's just concluding and summarizing what you've already said. Thank so you thank you for much. your time. Um, so uh, any virtual commenters? Or is there one more? Sorry about that. Mr. Garber. Thank you, Acting Chair Gibrandel. I'm Ken Garber, 28 Haverhill Court. Um, yeah, I urge the petitioner and commission to take the concerns of Mr. Banks and Ms. Young to heart. Um, yeah, I know the owner of the filling station and to hear that she may be considering giving up um, ownership is, uh, it, it would mean this whole social project that is that restaurant would probably be lost. Um, about the market, you all know all about its value. Um, but yeah, 330 Detroit Street, this is an excellent project. Um, in the petitioner's design review board application dated October 13, 2021, the petitioner wrote that, quote, the building will be designed as a lead gold building and includes sustainable systems such as a green roof, geothermal heating and cooling, and operable windows in commercial and residential spaces. I was especially thrilled to read the part about geothermal. However, I don't see geothermal installations in the site plan drawings, and geothermal was not mentioned in tonight's briefing documents or in the petitioner's presentation or the staff presentation. So there's some doubt creeping in. Does the petitioner still intend to use geothermal heating and cooling? If so, fantastic. But if not, why the change in plans? As I have commented before commission and council ad nauseum, uh, it's critical for new construction to be all electric to avoid locking in de decades of unnecessary greenhouse gas emissions from gas combustion. In terms of efficiency, geothermal would be ideal, although I imagine it's a challenge on this site with its small footprint and high floor area ratio. But if not geothermal, I hope the petitioner will be installing a VRF or mini split air source heat pump system as many other local projects are doing. Lead Gold by itself does relatively little to reduce emissions compared to electrification. It's 2022. The gas furnace is a technology that no longer has any role in new residential construction. I hope the original geothermal plan remains in place, or alternatively, uh, air, horse, air source heat pump technology. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on up and state your name and address, and you have three minutes to present your comments. Hello, I'm Stephanie Stoffer. I'm a resident of Ann Arbor Township, but I am the current Ann Arbor Farmers Market Manager, um, and I just wanted to reiterate a lot of things that have been said, but also increase the, the awareness about the impact that this may have on our vendors. Again, we're looking to be partners with the development. We really like all the environmentally forward um, aspects that they've discussed, um, but we are con concerned about the impact that the staging on Detroit Street will have on our vendors. 
Um, not only would it be very dusty and noisy during market hours of operation, which may make it difficult for vendors to actually produce and sell their products. It may get dust on the vegetables. People may not want to buy those things. People may not want to come to the market because it's very loud. So we would love um, if there would be a way that we could actually make sure that during the Wednesday market and during the Saturday market, we could be certain that there would not be any construction happening at the same time. Um, we would also love it if, <clears throat> excuse me, if the project could be staged on Fifth Avenue because it's not just a parking issue for us, it's that we have specific vendors with very large vehicles that use the Detroit Street area for loading, uh, loading their product. And these are, <clears throat> excuse me, vendors that have large, heavy orchard equipment, apples and things of this nature, and they just would not be able to fit in the area whatsoever um, if they lose the angled parking in that area. Not to mention the turn radius might be untenable when the fence comes in, um, in the plan that I have seen. So we would love it um, if these concessions could be discussed and we could work out a way so that the project benefits everyone and does not have a detrimental impact on the market. Um, it's our 103rd birthday this year um, and we would love to see that continue very much into the future. Um, and we would love to see some assistance coming from all parties to make this work for all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anybody else from the audience? Alrighty, any uh, virtual commenters? None indicated. Okay, since we see no more speakers, I will close the public hearing and read the proposed motion. The Ann Arbor City Planning Commission approves the 330 Detroit's, uh, Detroit Street site plan dated March 22, 2022, as the site plan complies with all applicable requirements of the Unified Development Code and other applicable laws, ordinances, standards, and regulations. Moved by Commissioner Lee, seconded by Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Discussion? Commissioner Dish. It is exciting to see this project, um, but I cannot, um, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is that the ecosystem of that area of the city survive its construction. We cannot afford to lose the farmer's market. Ooh. <laughs> You're not limited. It's okay. Speak away. One more second, Commissioner. <laughs> we can't afford to lose the farmer's market. Uh, we can't afford even to lose a handful of vendors from the farmer's market. It is a centerpiece of our sustainability efforts to have local food. It is something that we are spending lots of money very happily on through our Greenbelt monies now to preserve farming and to bring, uh, to, to make um, farmland uh, affordable to people who wanna buy into this kind of work. It would make no sense for us to allow a development that would, um, or for us to allow a development to proceed in a way that would um, hamper our farmer's market. In addition, um, Detroit Street Filling Station is not only the only vegan restaurant in town, which I appreciate very much. I'm not a vegan, but I'm a vegetarian, and I love being able to eat every single thing on the menu. And just like the movie Diner, I could just eat right down one side. <laughs> if, no, you're all too young. Anyway. Um, <laughs> The, uh, the, uh, but in addition, as Mr. Banks mentioned, um, Detroit Street Filling Station probably does more than any other business in our city 
any other commercial business in our city to support the recovery community and returning citizens and young people who need jobs while they pursue their dreams. And so, my question is what, I don't, I don't know what can we do, Mr. Leonard. What are we allowed to do as a planning commission in helping to place constraints on or uh, help facilitate productive relations for, uh, for construction? And I will tell you that I have spoken with our city administrator. He has a list of names to contact. I'm gonna add a couple names to that list. But I, I want to know what we can do as a board here. What is within our power? Um. Uh, my recommendation would be to consider a condition, if desired, to mm -hmm. approval of the plan. That, that condition is that um, the petitioner work with city staff to um, optimize and, to the greatest extent, minimize um, adverse impacts to that area during construction. Um, I would stop short of making decisions about that. That mm -hmm. is, there were some comments about um, specifically where to stage because there's a lot of factors that go into that that mm -hmm. neither I nor this commission um, would be the appropriate um, bodies mm -hmm. to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be appropriate to um, establish a condition along those lines that would mandate that dialogue, a dialogue occur, mm -hmm. and but to an extent leave that to mm -hmm. um, those city staff that would be making those decisions about the most appropriate way and mm -hmm. to the best ability to minimize impacts. Mm -hmm. Can we, uh, in, addition to, um, in addition to the idea of working to uh, make a plan for optimizing and mitigating, can we also say that we want ongoing meetings or not? Yeah, um, again, I would, you, you can. Again, I would, I would set the expectation that this conversation happened between um, uh, city staff and the petitioner. Um, some of that happens on a regular basis through regular right-of-way inspections and the like. Um, but I, again, I would be, I, that's not objectionable to me, but I don't know what that frequency or standard or who the parties would be. Again, I think the appropriate condition would be that you expect as a plan commission as part of this, that that dialogue will occur and both parties will come to that um, with good intention to try to minimize the adverse impacts. Commissioner Abrams. Just quickly, um, maybe we could add to that condition um, that representatives from the uh, Public Market Advisor Commission, the Farmers Market also be at the table. I think that was your intention uh, Commissioner Dish, that it not just be the petitioner and planning and city staff. Yeah. yeah. So, just a just a asterisk there. Commissioner Lee. Um, I see actually Mr. Kowalski has a comment, and so oh. I'd like to yield basically my time to Mr. Kowalski and then to the petitioner to try and address um, some of these concerns. So I'd like to hear from them about what they're planning to do to mitigate. So. Thank you for acting as facilitator, Commissioner Lee. I should have <laughs> noticed that. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Thank you. Kowalski, please. Thank you. You didn't have to yield your time to me, but thank you. Um, so I just wanted to add, add a little bit more information because obviously the, the, the location of this project across from the farmer's market, it's been a point of discussion really from the beginning. 
Um, so what I can say is there has the DDA has been involved with with the discussions with especially with city staff and and I know one of the petitioners had his hands up so I would also like have would like them to fill in the blanks as well actually a little bit but as far as the staff end of it the DDA has been involved working through it with engineering as well because there are some other construction projects that are going on within that area um, I believe a water main and maybe a sidewalk uh, there's some issues there's also construction issues and I know they're trying to line up some of the timing issues they've been in discussions for that to minimize impact on any surrounding businesses um, I can also tell you uh, from the beginning obviously park staff has reviewed this um, and they, they were sensitive to that concern and as well really eh, maybe a month or so ago again we were working with uh, one of the manager uh, the parks manager that oversees some of the farmers markets operations and she uh, was in contact again with kind of the DDA and between engineering and also again obviously our park staff with her so it's it's really been a point of discussion going forward um, and that we we also uh, recognize that um, that that is something that needs to be preserved and protected with the farmers market so staff is very aware of that um, again everybody from between engineering um, from engineering to uh, uh, again, sorry, the DDA, as well as obviously parks and planning staff. So we have been involved with that, and uh, they they were attuned to all the comments, basically. Again, so if there was overwhelming concerns, they tried to identify them through the review process, but everybody has agreed, and again, I believe petitioner may add to this, that there, there's future conversations that are warranted when they get to some more of the details regarding construction staging and, and that. So I just wanted to add that information that it, it, it has been a point of discussion. Staff has looked at it between various different departments because there's kind of a lot of moving pieces between what planning can control, what parks, and then obviously what engineering who maintains the, uh, the right of way, uh, the impacts of the right of way as well. So um, thank you, Commissioner Lee. Uh, that's all I had to add for right now, but again, obviously available for follow-up questions. Yeah, and if, if I may add to that, I mean, um, we're, we're very uh, conscious of these impacts. I mean, we've met with um, Matt and Phyllis a couple of times, and I, I understand their concerns. I grew up in a small business. I get it. Um, we, we've committed to meeting with them on a regular basis. They'll have my cell phone. Um, we, the last thing I want to do is disrupt that business. We own the building and manage the building across the street. We don't want any disruption there. We've been the neighbors to the filling station, and I think good neighbors for a long time and, and, and um, shared space with one another when they needed it for parking and, and such things. So I think we've demonstrated over a length of time that we're a, a good neighbor to them, and we, we expect to continue that. Um, as far as the farmer's market, I've been a patron there since I was a toddler. Uh, we love the farmer's market. You know, obviously, it's, a, it's an institution. We met with uh, Stephanie at least the one time and discussed a preliminary staging plan um, just to try to get ahead of that issue and discuss how we can minimize the impacts. Um, but as Matt pointed out, there's a lot of moving pieces to that that need to be resolved and, and we're committing we're committed to minimizing the impact on uh, the surrounding community. It's just a, it's a tight urban site that uh, pre presents some challenges. Thank you. Commissioner Weich, I think you were next. Uh, if I can move on from this, but I don't want to um, deprive any further conversation here. Is yours kind of covering this particular? Here. No, I was going to move on. Okay. Alrighty. We'll move on to 
Commissioner White's topic first. I just wanted to ask the petitioner uh, to uh, respond to Mr. Gardner's um, concern around the geothermal uh, that there were plans, I mean, maybe before the historic district or some other body that included geothermal uh, powering for heating and cooling, but that they're absent in the site plan. Is Mr. Gardner correct in that assessment? And if so, why is there, why, why has there been a change uh, between the two presentations? And does the petitioner have plans to do geothermal? Um, yeah, I, I can take that if you want, Greg. Um, we honestly are not sure what we'll be using for our heating and cooling system. I'm sorry, can you hear me? I just unmuted. Yep, we can. Go ahead. Sorry, thank you. Um, we're working through it. We've met uh, with our MEP design team, uh, looking at the site, looking at what we're using for heating and cooling. Um, I was just in front of Planning Commission a month ago regarding a different project at 212 Miller, where we're using high-efficiency heat pumps in that project. Um, we really don't know which way we're going to go at this point. We're looking at geothermal. We're looking at high-efficiency heat pumps. Uh, we'll make that determination. Um, we plan to make that determination uh, during uh, working with our outside uh, consultants. Uh, we also want to uh, address some of the sustainability issues that um, are, you know come up. Uh, we plan on making this a solar-ready project, both for common area and residential units. Uh, we also are planning on installing actual EV chargers, one per unit, um, above and beyond what the city requires. It just doesn't make any sense for us to try and put in city standard of one or two EV charging stations when we have 15 potential resident uh, units there. So we're just decided that we're just going to install uh, one per each unit. That's really as far as we've gotten on the design of what we'll end up using for HVAC systems at this point. Uh, and I'm here to answer more questions. Thank you. I actually would like to interject um, here. So um, just through my past work, I know the architect that worked on this site um, a long time ago, and it's my understanding that there are 11 existing geothermal wells that are drilled down to 600 feet for this site. And I'm just, I was also a little mystified why that didn't show up in the site plan in terms of, uh, first of all, you know, you've got these things. It was quite an ordeal to be able to make all that happen, I know. Um, they hit boulders along the way and all kinds of things. And I'm just wondering, I guess, just tell, tell us more. <laughs> because th that's my understanding that this site already has access to a quite extensive geothermal field that is vertical. Um, and I'm just wondering what you know and if that's something that you're kind of don't know enough about before you make decisions or I, I, under, I get it that the site right now is more level and you're, uh, you know, going to be digging down and things like that. But I would imagine, you know, disrupting the, the, the initial 15 feet of those wells is still a tiny percentage of a 600 foot deep uh, well, so if you could just tell us more about what you know, and it seems like a tremendous resource that you could take advantage of. Um, I, I would just be curious to, to know more. 
Well, that, that's all correct. Uh, we do have wells on site. Um, I believe the wells that are currently on site are, are powering actually the building across the street. Um, and so we're looking at all options. I mean, I don't, I don't think we consciously included or didn't include something on the site plan. I, again, we have, haven't worked through the construction documentation on whether it will continue to power the site, whether it will continue to power the site across the street, or how we'll approve it, uh, approach it. Um, so uh, there's, I, I just, we haven't gotten to that design of the building yet. I mean, we've been focused on the, the overall site plan of the building, what the building looks like, meaning city standards, the, the energy usage of the building, how we go about designing that will be our next step uh, when we get into construction document fit, documentation phase. So are you telling me that the wells that are on your site are currently serving the White Swan building across the street? Is that what I understand? That's my understanding. So in other words, if you were to build this, you're not sure if that would abandon their current system or how, I guess, just. It's, it, if I might jump in, it's, it's our building across the street. Right. It's the marketplace building. It's half the building actually that it, that it feeds. And so, I mean, I, we're not, I apologize, but we're not trying to be evasive. It's just obviously, as you know, it's early in the process. We're, we're still, we have a, we, hopefully get past this stage and then we work on CDs and really figure out kind of how the, the building's going to go together. So it, it is something we'd like to keep. It's something we've got to figure out how we keep and if it's possible to serve both buildings or one building or it, there's a lot of things that have to be figured out. Um, obviously, you know, we don't govern those pieces of it. Um, it just seems like it would be a tremendous waste if you didn't take advantage of, of continuing to use those at the very least to power the building that's powering so you're not disrupting what they have um, as one of our as mr. Garber pointed out from the audience it, it I think that we all feel if I can speak for the Commission feel this way that um, that that would be a huge waste of a resource if those are somehow abandoned in this process of building it um, and we would, I, I personally feel like I would dearly hope that you would be able to take advantage of the infrastructure and great expense that you've already gone through um, to be able to harness that energy and build on it for um, the future. So um, that's the way I personally feel about it. So it, it does feel a little funny to me that there's nothing mentioned about that. In this, and I get it that it's not necessarily on the, um, you know, something that we review at this stage. But um, anyway, those those are my thoughts. Anybody else on the geothermal piece? Okay, Commissioner Hammersmith. Just really quickly, I want to clarify or confirm what I hope that I'm hearing. Understanding that you're still investigating your options, but I didn't hear you mention natural gas as an option. So, is your intention for this to be an all-electric building? You're just not sure which way it's going to go exactly when it comes to the HVAC system. We simply don't know. We haven't gotten to that point in the design process. We're focused on the site plan process now. We haven't. We've had one initial meeting with our MEP design team. Uh, we have all of the original design. Uh, documentation of the geothermal wells, which are in operation, are, are powering a building across the street. We don't know yet what 
will end up having to do either to keep those wells, to keep those wells to service that building, to potentially repurpose them to service this building, to repurpose them to service both buildings. Um, so we just don't know what will be the optimizational strategy to move forward with heating and cooling. Um, I can assure you that we have no intention of creating waste here, um, but I can't answer something I want to be honest with you, I, I, I can't answer something that I, I don't know the answer to. We're working through it, or, and we certainly will be working through it. Uh, I mean, going back to all the farmers market concerns, we have a very long logistics plan that we have to work out with staff too, and we, and we welcome you know, the farmers market and staff working with that on, on that whole plan also. That just hasn't been worked out yet. We're, we're aware of the concerns, and, and that is sort of the next step that we get to once we get through this approval process. Yeah, I appreciate your transparency, um, and I don't think we need to belabor the point that you know that our sustainability goals of the city would, you know, obviously want this building to not tap into natural gas. So I'm not going to say any more on that. Um, thank you. I think I'm done for now. Commissioner White. I think I will belabor the point <laughs> to pick up from Commissioner Hammersmith and say, yeah, we. Um, I wasn't aware of those uh, wells uh, there. And I think the, my question remains unanswered, which was, um, and it was Mr. Garber's original question, which is that on one set of plans, you noted the geothermal, but on these plans, you removed them. And I think my question was, was that intentional? So nope. I'll pause there. Okay. So it wasn't intentional. No, no, it was not. I, I actually don't have design review documentation in front of me, uh, nor do I have the site plan in front of me or what notes are, were not on either plan. Again, I'm, I just, I'm a little bit tr um, trying to figure this out because we, we know the wells are there. We, uh, you know, we, we know that we're going to work with whomever we work with as an, as an MEP design engineer, as well as several local heating cooling contractors um, to figure out how to potentially repurpose them, but we don't know yet. So I don't know what the question, I don't know what more I can answer aside from there's well, we're, I think, nothing purposefully that we're doing or not doing here, but just putting on the site plan what we need to put on the site plan for you to review and hopefully approve it. So I think, I think for me, the thing that I'm trying to ascertain is you indicated that you were before this body a couple of weeks, maybe a month ago, and mm -hmm. you, I think, have heard us say this, because we say it with almost every site plan that we review, uh, that these are things that we are concerned about. and. It's sort of surprising that knowing that this is the deliberative body that sort of brings this up and talks directly with you, why you would, um, well, I, I don't want to cast any aspersions on, on motives or anything like that, but why not just sort of give um, a clear indication uh, to us around your intentions uh, for the powering of the building? And I think, I mean, th that's just my reflection, and I'll, I'll save my um, additional comments for later 
in the meeting, but maybe to give you a heads up, Mr. Leonard, um, one thing that I was thinking about when we had our conversation around uh, what we wanted to include in some future work that we were doing was districts. And one district that I was imagining was some kind of an overlay where we would say this would be a district where we wouldn't allow this kind of use of energy, you know, like a fossil fuel energy, or that there would be incentives for developers to build to our sustainability goals in this district. And this feels like a perfect sort of case or an example for me because it's like, well, there are wells there, which would make would seem to make this a easier approach. Uh, the petitioner says they don't have any plans to waste the, the wells that are there, but it feels like if we had a tool in our planning that was like an overlay to say this was a, a energy efficiency district, <laughs> for, for an example, to reach for something quickly, then this conversation changes and we can say, you know, how are you planning this development to meet the sustainability goal? Because this is a planned district where we want to see this kind of efficiency. So I'll save that to the end of the meeting, but just to telegraph to you that I have a question about that um, with that. Thanks. Commissioner Abrams. Um, I'll, I'll be quick, but I, I, I think the only reason we're discussing geothermal is because at least as I understand it, the petitioner presented this project as if it was going to be geothermal at the design review board. And so I'm not sure why there's a kind of, sh you know, it seems like uh, Mr. Fitzsimmons, you're, there's a kind of surprise that we're asking about it, but we're asking about it because I think the petitioner put it on the table previously. So I just wanna mention that. Um, I have a quick question, which is um, for the lead gold premium, a question for staff. Uh, what happens if the project does not receive its certification? There are, panel, <clears throat> excuse me, there are penalties in, uh, uh, laid out within the code. The code itself, I don't know what those are offhand, but there's a fine um, and it, it goes up. I, I, I Looking right when I heard the question formula, I'm trying to look through the code really quickly to get the, uh, but it is within the code of what the, what the ramifications are. So it would be a code violation. Okay, thanks. Um, I, I'm not concerned about it. I was more curious, <laughs> curious about it and also it just kind of flags for me that um, something to flag for some future unknown date is whether that's the right premium to be, whether that's the right certification for which to offer premiums exclusively and to not consider other certifications that we think actually achieve sustainability goals better. That's it, thanks. I would like to call on Mr. Kopp. You have your hand raised. You yeah, can go ahead. Thank you. So, so again, I'm with MABD. We own the property, and I just want to clarify a couple of things. I mean, we we installed a geothermal over 10 years ago, well before there was an office of sustainability in the city. We put solar panels on our building at 350 South Main over 10 years ago as well. We're we're committed to that long term, and we've demonstrated that. We've led in that in the office environment. And so we, we would love nothing better than to incorporate the geothermal wells, but 
what actually happened was they were shown on the early plans. It was presumed that would be part of the project. And we really hadn't done the due diligence, as Tom said, to, to figure out how that could be incorporated. So we elected to take it off the plans as to not misrepresent it at this point because it's not part of the site plan approval process. So I'm, I'm a little bit offended and taken back that the, uh, the accusatory nature of the, the questioning that, that we're trying to bait and switch because that's the last thing we wanna do is we wanna be as upfront and honest as we can about what we're trying to do. And, and I guess that's my two cents about that. Commissioner Dish. Say that I'm sorry if if we sounded accusatory. I don't I don't think anyone meant that. I think that it was a genuine question, um, not not an accusation. And um, uh, we're um, very. I mean, yes, you you have put your money where your mouth is on these goals, and we respect and appreciate that. Anybody else? Oh, Commissioner Lee. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to switch gears here. I just wanted to talk generally about um, the project. I actually really like the concept of the materiality kind of mirroring. Um, I think it would add actually a lot of character. Um, overall, bringing, you know, four or five stories of residential, I think is a good thing for this particular area. I'd love to see the office retail use on the first floor that 1850 square footer be used for something retail something that really uh, activates and creates continuity um, i'd love to see again complementary uses as well as adding additional eyes on the street this is a very vibrant kind of area of the neighborhood so overall i actually just wanted to say i, I like the design um, I think everyone's had really good points uh, but i just want to step back real quick and say i, I think from a design standpoint the idea of trash sharing with, uh, I think, 2723 South State Street is a good solution to the overall kind of access issues. Um, I, we've talked about HVAC. Uh, the thing that I actually also want to focus on is the cobblestones, because uh, I've just seen a lot of roads get destroyed. Uh, you know, I live across the street from a, a major senior living care facility that um, our road is still kind of in disrepair. So. Um, as we stage, et cetera, um, actually this question is for staff. Do we have like, what is the repair budget or something like that? Does a developer have to contribute to something like that? Because the character of that cobblestone is I think very unique. And, and that, that's something that I do just want clarification on. Is that a city responsibility? Do we have budgetary allocations towards it? Just, just the amount of weight of materials that are transported. I just have a little concern on that. So if you could shed some light, that'd be great. Brad or, or Mr. Leonard or Kowalski. Um, I can just add a little bit on, I unfortunately don't have the exact specifics, but um, again, it was something that was discussed. I was trying to skim through my old review comments regarding the brick pavers. Um, the developer is required to basically restore to, I mean, they can't leave they can't walk away. They're, they're going to be required to restore it. That's another thing that's within, within city code. Um, the site is inspected also on a regular basis by our city right-of-way inspectors. So again, they would be out there looking to see if there's you know unnecessary disruption to there. And um, again, so I don't really have specifics of how that's done. I know that we do monitor. I know the petitioner is aware of it and we do have restoration and I'm sure that are required to rest, restore it as well as a bond. 
um, that that could be uh, sought for that purpose as well. And I'm sure the petitioner has no interest in restoring any more of those bricks than they, they have to because they're a very limited resource and it's obviously quite expensive to restore those. Um, so really a monitoring process, again, making them aware and staff is aware as well. I don't have specifics of that, but they would be required to restore it. Gotcha. Thank you for the clarification. Um, I know the wear and tear of construction, just as long as that is really um, emphasized from a restoration standpoint. It's just a really character driving feature of that area. Um, so I, overall, I just want to step back and say I actually really like this development, the idea of uh, the, the garden on the roof for uh, first flush water retention to lead gold. I think there's a lot of good things about this that I support. Um, the importance of coordinating with our community partners, um, as well as, you know, again, restoration and maintenance of our character in the Carytown district is critical. Um, but overall, with those kind of conditions or considerations um, taken care of, I would be in support of this particular uh, site plan proposal. Um, and so procedurally, I guess my question is, how can we put some of those, uh, again, uh, conditions of uh, saying, hey, we, we want to make sure that there's good community involvement, uh, maintenance of the brick road. If they, and if, if, please, feel free to stop me if there's any kind of, um, again, if, if I'm being a, a dead horse or something along those lines, but uh, overall, just want to say I'm in favor. H how can we make sure that the community is being heard and that the, um, you know, that we're all working together towards the same end here, which is Maintenance, betterment, I mean, always a bit of a J-curve, but we just need to do it together. So I don't know what the best way to introduce that is, but I'll, I'll ask the commission for their thoughts on how to advance this thing. I, I'm overall in support, so just thank you. Mr. Leonard, you got any language for us? <sighs> Not yet. <laughs> well. How about I'll say a few comments and you can work on the language. That sounds good. Okay. Um, like Commissioner Lee, I think this project looks really good. I'm excited for another flat iron building um, in this area. I think that it's really dynamic looking. Um, and so I think it, it, it really looks like a neat project. So I'm, I'm very much in favor of what I think this will bring to the Carytown area. I hope we can work out the, 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 the just stresses that go on with construction and um, because I also feel strongly that this area is really important but I think everybody at this table and probably everybody in our Zoom boxes feel that this area is really important too. Um, so uh, I, I think I, I'm hopeful that um, we can work it all out. There's also a lot of very real um, constraints around um, both staging and timing with all those things. And I, um, so it, probably nobody's gonna be completely happy in, in this process. And I think that's to be expected. And I hope that we can come up, or that, that you all, you know, through interaction with community, which you all have, um, you know, said that you're interested in, through working with staff and working with the petitioner about what's possible here too, because there's there's only so much, I think that the petitioner can do too. We can't let this project go on for five years because they're only working three days a week to be able to accommodate all the various schedules you know that, that are going on. So I'm hoping that there can be some 
um, good common ground that can be found that is like reasonable enough for everybody so that the, the market can stay vibrant enough and that um, the Detroit filling station can, can stay alive because I think a lot of us would love to be able to see that continue to thrive because it is such an important part, I think, of our, our community. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, that, can, that, that everybody can just work it out and <laughs> that it all happens. Clearly, we're not the ones that are going to be doing all this negotiation, so it's easy for us to say, good luck and let's figure it out. Um, but I'm hoping that I just gave you enough time to come up with... Uh, um, the, so the language I had proposed before looking at Commissioner Dishes is that the site plan is approved um, with the following condition, that the petitioner and city staff proactively work to minimize the negative impacts to the Carytown Business District during construction through collaboration, routine stakeholder conversations and updates toward the goal of minimizing adverse impacts to the surrounding area while supporting the construction of this building. So how shall I do this? Um, um, so if um, I can, um, I can read that again. If people are comfortable with that, somebody can move and support that as an amendment to the proposed motion. Okay. Do people want to hear it one more time, or Commissioner Lee? Oh no, uh, uh, I would make the motion to. Anybody else want to hear it again, or does that seem? Okay, any, any, any other discussion? Was there a second? On the amendment? Second. Oh, second. Commissioner Dish, second? Okay, so just let me uh, read it one more time just so the petitioner and the commission is clear. The site plan, would, would be, site plan approval would be conditioned upon the following. The petitioner and city staff proactively work to minimize the negative impacts to the Carytown Business District during construction through collaboration, routine stakeholder conversations and update toward the goal of minimizing adverse impacts to the surrounding area while supporting the construction of this building. So, to be clear, that is um, a condition for a conversation to happen between the project team and the applicable city staff. Commissioner Hammersmith. Okay, um, I'm hearing this is collaboration between city staff and the petitioner and then updates to the stakeholders, but I'm not really hearing collaboration with the stakeholders. And I kind of think that that's important. And maybe it's just like where a comma yeah, is. Could you repeat <laughs> the language that... Uh, I guess I would suggest that I think conversations have started already with the city and um, I am comfortable taking that message that it is expected as uh, planner Kowalski already indicated there are already conversations been happening with members of Parks and Recreation with the Downtown Development Authority um, we can make sure that that casts uh, the a widely appropriate net um, or if desired um, we can we can bring that in I, I guess I, I just do want to be clear that there might be city decisions that need to be made that not there are not consensus about yeah. and so um, I think I am specifically um, making sure that we're providing shared updates uh, brainstorming but ultimately that the city will be making those decisions I think that's fine I, I just I think I was reading it more as or hearing it more as like it's providing updates but it's not really giving opportunity for like that sort of brainstorming and collaboration but I only heard it twice and I wasn't looking at it 
I mean, I, I understand that ultimately the city is making the decision, but, you know, getting that, making sure that there is like that mechanism for gathering input and it's not just updates, unless shared updates means <laughs> like a input gathering. A potential amendment through collaboration with existing businesses routine stakeholder conversations and updates. Yeah, that works for me. So it's still, it's the petitioner and city staff mm -hmm. do the work, mm -hmm. setting the condition that there will be collaboration with existing businesses and routine conversations and updates. Commissioner Weich. Can we name the DDA and parks in that? And then, because uh, you just say stay city staff, so if there's a parenthetical or including uh, because then the, um, uh, sorry, I forget what's the name of the commission that Mrs. Light has. The Public Market Advisory Commission could have representation um, either through parks or through the DDA in that conversation. City staff, including DDA and Parks and Recreation. Yeah, so that gets the farmer's market and then it would get the business association. Thank you. So shall we do a vote on the amendment yes. first? So and I want to, the uh, Commissioner Lee and Commissioner Dish, you're comfortable with those changes? Okay. Yeah. Can so, I just hear it one more time in full? Yep. Yeah, we've Sorry, added we a bunch of things. things. See, I'm really nervous. I'm trying to edit this on the fly, and you oh, guys are going to you guys are going to criticize your, my grammar. Your, your fine the petitioner, petitioner, and city staff, including DDA and Parks and Recreation, proactively work to minimize the negative impacts to the Carytown Business District during construction through collaboration with existing businesses, routine conversation, stakeholder conversations and updates toward the goal of minimizing adverse impacts while supporting the construction of this building. Should we do a roll call on that or should we just do a? I think, yeah, let's do a roll call. It is related to a petition. Okay. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Yes. Commissioner Dish? Yes. Commissioner Lee? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Clark? Yes. Commissioner Weich? Yes. Commissioner Gibrandle? Yes. Commissioner Abrams? Yes. All right, the motion is amended. Okay, so now then can we take the vote for the, the overall project with the amended motion? Okay, ready to go through it again? Commissioner Hammerschmidt? Yes. Commissioner Dish? Yes. Commissioner Lee? Yes. Commissioner Clark? Yes. Commissioner Weich? Yes. Commissioner Gibrandel? Yes. Commissioner Abrams? Yes. The site plan is approved. All righty, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for coming saying your piece. All righty, we are moving on to item 8B, 
um, which is still part of our regular business, which is the proposed amendments to the Ann Arbor City Code Chapter 55, Unified Development Code Amendments to the Unified Development Code, the UDC, Sections 5.16.1A, Residential Occupancy, 5.16.2.A and B, Adult Daycare Center, Child Care Center, 5.16.3.J, Outdoor Recreation, 5.16.3.P, Transit Corridor Development, 5.16.4.B, Nonprofit Corporations, 5.16.C, Drive-Through Facilities, 5.16.6.G, Group Daycare Home, and Section 5.19 Parking Standards are being considered to eliminate minimum parking requirements for all uses, eliminate or consolidate some parking use categories, eliminate the option for off-site bicycle parking, change the weight limit for vehicles parked in driveways, simplify the requirements for electric vehicle parking, and change, reformat, and, and include the TC1 district and the special parking district regulations. These changes will enable reduced impervious surfaces, encourage land to be used more efficient, efficiently, incentivize the construction of new residential uses, reduce the cost of constructing new residential uses, and support transit services. I think we have a staff presentation by Mr. Khan. Thank you. We do. <clears throat> um, at our last meeting on um, April 5th, in which we discussed um, these proposed amendments, uh, planning staff, uh, and, uh, excuse me, planning commission had quite a number of, of comments for us. We went back uh, and began working on um, additional um, language and amendments and structure of the plan um, in the staff report we divided these uh, modifications into three main sections the first type of modification pertains to the number to a number of scattered sections in code that re, uh, that require minimum parking um, <clears throat> they include sections um, dealing with residential occupancy adult daycare centers outdoor recreation Nonprofit corporations, and we were all uh, we were looking to um, eliminate the required parking for those particular sections. Um, of note was um, uh, a section uh, five sixteen three p, which is the um, transit corridor development section, and in that section uh, we're keeping the language. Uh, regarding the vehicular use area that may not be exceeded by the building uh, footprint. However, we're adding some language <clears throat> to clarify this to some degree. And that clarification includes language that says, if the vehicular use area cannot accommodate the maximum number of permitted spaces, the remaining amount must be provided in a parking structure or within a building. So those are the main um, changes regarding to that first type of modifications. We also have um, a second main type of modification and those <coughs> uh, to, to those proposed amendments, um, most of those pertain to section 519 parking standards uh, currently, the entire section is proposed to be deleted and replaced with all new language. The majority of the new section includes language that is identical to the seventh edition of the UDC, 
uh, and moved around for clarity and consistency and user friendliness. So we're, we're not making substantive changes, but we are trying to make it clearer, simpler, easier to use. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, a separate comparison um, document of the current section 519 and the proposed section 19 is included as an attachment to the staff report. The third main type of modification is specific to section 519 parking standards. Um, there were a lot of minor tweaky type changes that the staff report summarizes. I'm not going to go through all of those, but I do want to highlight a couple of them. One uh, pertained to table 19, which is the main required parking um, standards. And that now provides only maximum vehicular and minimum bicycle parking uh, spaces. All previous minimum vehicular parking uh, requirements are deleted from the table and previous maximum vehicle requirements uh, are retained with no changes. <clears throat> no new maximums have been added to the table. The second highlight uh, of these third main types of modifications uh, pertains to the special parking district section that has been overhauled and now includes the TC1 district. This section has been simplified. Um, TC1 um, shows that the maximum number of required uh, parking spaces remaining at one space per 333 square feet of floor area, which is about three spaces per thousand square feet of floor area. Uh, and since parking is no longer required in the D1 and D2 districts, the previous language about alternatives for the required minimum floor area parking spaces um, has been eliminated. So those are the main three um, <clears throat> areas of modification that staff uh, has made over the last month and a half. Um, I do want to remind uh, everyone, including um, people watching uh, this uh, meeting, that uh, um, of what the main focus is, the main changes, uh, the main modifications are uh, with, uh, within these parking amendments. Um, one of the main changes proposed is to eliminate minimum parking requirements for any land use in any district. We're also looking at establishing a maximum of three parking spaces per thousand square feet of Fleuria in the TC1 district. And then lastly, another substantive change um, relates to the EV parking section. Um, and in that section, um, we are including a change in applicability from a site plan for city council approval to any new parking spaces that are proposed to be constructed regardless of the site plan approving body. Um, and then secondly, related to, to EV changes, we are um, still proposing to shift the EV ready spaces to EV capable spaces. So those are the main, um, <clears throat> those are the main um, uh, modifications that we have made, plus a quick summary of the main issues that are, are before us. Um, I do wanna um, 
uh, summarize uh, the staff recommendation, which um, uh, includes staff recommends that the amendments to the UDC be approved because the proposed amendments will reduce the amount of underutilized impervious surfaces, encourage land to be used more efficiently, incentivize the construction of new residential dwelling units by reducing construction and land acquisition costs, which may result in more affordable housing units being constructed and by using land more efficiently will and, and will support transit service. These proposed amendments are also consistent with recommendations in the city's master plan land use element and the A20 climate action plan. And that's the summary of the staff report. All righty, thank you. Um, I was remiss in not um, allowing Commissioner Lee to make a small announcement. I should have done that at the beginning. Sorry about oh, missing you. You're, you're fine. Um, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. My employer owns property in the TC1 district, so I need to recuse myself from the vote with respect to parking standards in the TC1 district. So um, I'm recusing myself. I'll see you guys in a little bit. Good luck. Okay. If I could just add a, a, f a few more details. Um, so a couple things. One sort of housekeeping issue is w uh, the original packet included the comparison table that um, city planner Jeff Kahn referenced. Um, the ordinance is, the actual ordinance is attached as well, um, but it was attached this evening. Um, so I just want to draw your attention to that, that actual ordinance. However, um, Mr. Khan did a really great job summarizing the, that's mostly what you're missing with the, was the 5.16 content. So that's now included in the proposed ordinance for adoption. So that's one thing I want to draw your attention to. Um, the 5.16 section content was one of the references that you will recall that during the original consideration of this ordinance, I said that there would be some other references in the UDC that might be adjusted as well as parking changes occurred. Upon review of those, those were more significant parking standards than just references. So that plus the confusion about two standards was one of the reasons that I elected to bring this back to you, the commission for reconsideration in a more um, fully developed ordinance. Um, I just wanna remind the commission of that distinction. Um, we had a lot of conversation about the interaction of the TC1, what I will call the form-based requirement that the vehicular use area, which is a surface parking lot area, cannot exceed the footprint of the building or a percentage of that building depending on the lot size. Vehicular use area does not apply to parking included in a structure or below grade. So um, there was confusion on that. You'll recall that was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that back. I just wanted to clarify that with the interaction of that standard and the proposed maximum parking of one per 333 square feet in the TC1, there is a form limit. That is, you can't have a surface parking lot essentially larger than the building without the limit of maximum parking, you would, with the limit, you could still achieve up to one per 333 square feet. If you can't get all of that in the surface parking, it would have to be structured parking or in a building. So um, I just want to remind, I brought this up as a distinction previously. Um, I think there was confusion around that. I think it, it warranted the clarity um, and the additions for 5.16. So 
Um, just a couple other points about why you're seeing this again. Thank you. Um, all righty, so let's go to the public hearing and then we can, we can have the discussion. This is the opportunity for persons to speak up to three minutes about the proposed amendments to the UDC sections 5.16 and 5.19. If you wish to address the Planning Commission on this item, press star nine by listening by phone or use the raise hand feature if viewing through the web link. For phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand using the last three digits of your phone number or by name if available for those accessing through the web link. You will hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area and mute any television or background sounds so that we may hear you clearly. For any speaker, please state your name and address at the beginning of your comments. First, is anyone present? Don't see anybody present. Um, any speakers who are virtual waiting in the queue? Yes. Mr. Chambers, you have three minutes to address the Planning Commission. Yes, thank you. This is Brian Chambers, uh, Ward 3. <clears throat> um, I'm a bit concerned about the TC1 um, parking um, language uh, that was just shared. Um, I do not believe the uh, residents of Ann Arbor anticipated um, parking decks going in across the TC1 designated area. It was promoted for a transit-oriented uh, development basis to foster the greater use of um, bus transit. And um, I put a note out there, 3,500 to 5,500 housing units um, could be established across that area using uh, transit-oriented district um, standards. <coughs> um, Six-story structures um, could easily be accommodated uh, to meet that density, and it would foster enough transit use uh, for a, um, essentially a, a self-functioning independent AAATA uh, that doesn't require subsidies if you go through all of the TC1 districts that are anticipated across the city. So I would ask that that um, language be reconsidered uh, so that it is not fostering the use of parking decks as seen to be um, in, in that statement and in that language. Uh, thank you very much. I really believe we need to push for sustainable development, transit-oriented development, and not more parking decks. Thank you. No other speakers indicated. All righty, seeing no other speakers, I will close the public hearing and read the proposed motion. The Ann Arbor City Planning Commission hereby recommends that the Mayor and City Council approve the amendments to Chapter 55, Unified Development Code, Sections 5.16 and 5.19, regarding proposed modifications to the city's off-street parking requirements. Moved by Commissioner Hammerschmidt, seconded by Commissioner Dish. Uh, discussion? for the proposed motion. Commissioner Dish. I want, I, I uh, have a question, so let me walk through something and make sure that I fully, fully, fully understand it. So um, we have a form-based limit on the amount of surface parking that is built into the TC1 district Oh, is it? I'm a, yes, just sorry. I'm very sorry. Um, <clears throat> so we have our form-based 
limit on parking built into the TC1 district. If a developer were to come to us wanting to build something not in the state in Eisenhower TC1 district, which we have zoned, we've officially zoned, but rather on Packard, uh, and their project required a site plan. They weren't just taking over something that existed. The form-based limit would or would not apply to their project. The only place... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Brett. No, no problem. Uh, the only place the form-based limit would apply is any property zone TC1. So it'd be right now just state and Eisenhower. Correct. Right. <clears throat> okay. Um, So I think that this, this district has a lot of goals in it, and that's why it's been so hard to figure out what's the right combination of everything. So yes, we want to both make use of transit on corridors where there is transit and where transit can be expanded easily. So we want to both make use of and stimulate the provision of more transit that's, that's a goal. Um, we want mixed use. So we're hoping to get not just residences, although I think we wouldn't be unhappy if that's all we got, but again, to really um, move people uh, or, or facilitate people choosing a less car intensive lifestyle, you need services near you and you need fun stuff to do near you. Um, and, and you need, yes, easy transit to your job, but near you, you, you're going to need grocery stores and excellent bars without televisions and other fine, <laughs> fine things and vegan restaurants too. Um, and so we want mixed use. We want, uh, we want transit. We want people to make use of transit. Um, and we want to bring folks who are commuters, we want to give them a place to live in the city. So um, do we, so our big, you know, we've had a big discussion about the limit on essentially structured parking. Because, or rather, I should say, we've had a big discussion about the parking maximum. Do we need a parking maximum in addition to the form-based limit? I think we talked about it this last time. We were a little confused last time because we, <laughs> because we didn't understand how the two worked together. But at this point, I think it's clear that the parking maximum of three per thousand square feet of FAR is an additional limit on top of the form-based limit. And um, it is also a limit that is neutral with respect to use. And staff is proposing a limit that's neutral with respect to use in order to facilitate development that includes services as well as residences. Another way to achieve that kind of uh, permissiveness so that we could get office spaces to convert to housing or whatever the other conversions we imagined would be possible would be simply not to have a maximum. 
over and above the form-based limit. Certainly one of our goals is to reduce impervious surface and the form-based limit does that. There are other limiting factors that constrain the provision of structured parking and that is notably the expense of it. And um, it, it seems to me that in the models that staff had provided in the previous report that we received, there are a number of different approaches. Everybody agrees we get rid of parking minimums, but there are a number of different approaches to figuring out maximums, figuring out what they should be, whether they should be use specific, and if they're not use specific, what would a one size fits all maximum be? Should it be three, should it be two? Um, I think it's worth considering uh, taking that, taking the maximum out for TC1, knowing that we have the form-based limit and knowing that the expense of providing structured parking will, will nobody, has, nobody has an incentive to over-provide. Um, and we would be able to gather data on what we're seeing and what we're getting and move forward from there. So I just wanted to put that on the table for consideration. I'm happy to have obviously commissioners respond, uh, staff respond. I'm always open to hearing from people who've been thinking about this a lot longer than I have. I think the, the other thing about this, these areas is that nobody can charge the rents that they would need to charge in order to be able to build structured parking. Because <laughs> basically structured parking works downtown because it's so expensive to build it. Um, so in some ways we're sort of <laughs> like, they can do it if they want to and maybe it'll become that incredible but i think it's going to be pretty hard to truly pull that off in terms of um in terms of that so in some ways we're just by doing the limiting of the footprint thing it's an i think it's an interesting question like what you know to um commissioner hammerschmidt has a really concerned look on her face and I'm wondering if she wants to raise her hand or if we or Commissioner Abrams if you have something that's more I mean, fully I'm, formed I'm just trying to like figure out the benefit of removing a maximum or like what the I'm just trying to think through the where's Commissioner Sobe and her math when I need her I, I just don't really I'm just trying to understand like what do you see as the benefit of removing a maximum I my my sense of it and I'm just riffing here is that it would allow more flexibility in terms of the use on the first floor um, if, if there's retail because to Commissioner Dish's point if you wanted to be able to put a grocery store in the first floor it's pretty hard to pull that off with the I mean you could do it but there's certainly no grocery stores in Ann Arbor that have that kind of ratio and so you're 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 kind of skewing towards a certain use, I think, with that. Now, that's with our current use now, and I totally get it that we are trying to move in the direction of more transit-oriented um, development here. 
but um, it's it's it. I think there's power in the kind of the like you know we're keeping it super flexible by this one to 333 business. But I just did some counting <laughs> of <laughs> parking, you know, and uh, and I th I remember was it. I don't know if it was Mr. Khan or Mr. Kowalski. Somebody was, I, mean, I think it was Mr. Khan, last, like a few times ago when we talked about this, talked about grocery stores being more like, you know, it being, yeah, it, it, was, it was higher, you know, than what that is. And so are we, are we limiting the kind of freedom for people to kind of let what needs to happen on, the, on that retail level? I don't know. It, it's an interesting question. Commissioner Abrams. I think I'm going to come at this from the opposite point of view, which is to say that I think there are certain kinds of suburban model grocery stores like a Meyer or a Kroger that sure. want that kind of parking ratio. I think these quarters are more appropriate for something like the food co-op or Argus Farm Stop or places that either have no parking or very little parking. And I think you can still make a market style retail space work um, without giving over to a kind of suburban style development. And I think for me, I mean, I still, I've been saying this, I would like to see parking maximums on our work plan. Um, I'm gonna bring it up later that it's in the future, but it doesn't have a date. So, and I think if we are hopefully moving towards a kind of citywide, maybe use neutral parking maximum approach, then I don't think we should remove it. Now, I think we should try it or have it in there as a kind of precedent. It feels like we're moving the wrong way to remove the maximum in my mind. And so, because what I'm also concerned about are not just developments in the TC1, but you know, all the, all the places that are not TC1. So I think there's a, for me, there's a kind of urgency to think, consider a maximum generally. Um, and it's true that the form-based code already restricts the TC1, so it may not be the most urgent place to have it, but I don't, for me, it doesn't, I don't see the, I don't feel compelled to remove it, I guess, um, to accommodate the kind of grocery store model. That's me. When I was doing my, um, my when I was kind of looking at possibilities, uh, I looked at Whole Foods, which I have often been to when there is no parking there and I'm waiting in the parking lot too. The, the one on Washtenaw. Um, and uh, so I was not looking so much at like the, the Kroger on Stadium or, you know, uh, things like that or, or whatever on Maple, I guess. Um, I, I have heard through the grapevine that the co-op is slowly bleeding yeah. in terms of their ability to be able to do what they're doing. I know for a while that that space that was right that's right next to Argus Farms that's that empty space that is now kind of taken up by U of M art whatever that that was sort of thought to I think this is again rumor not me I was not part of that development but I remember people envisioning it as a grocery store thing and nobody has touched it so um and Argus I think is a is kind of a different animal in some ways in, in that it's like right in the middle of a neighborhood. But at the same time, you know, we, and, and it's right on the way to downtown where a lot of people are, are walking and, and driving too. Um, so like 
is there a sweet spot? Does it really matter in some ways? I don't know. Like, like to your point, like, does it matter? That, like, should we just kind of keep a maximum and, and then that just sort of gets at what we're, I guess I'm truly kind of, I don't know where I land on this. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I do think it's an interesting thing to consider. In I guess the, given that we have the form-based piece of the footprint part, that you can't just build, you know, um, a massive parking lot because you are automatically limited by that. In the previous staff report from the last meeting, they gave us the statistics for the different, for some of these um, developments and the Whole Foods on Washtenaw is on there. And so the, just as a reference point at the current TC1 max, they would be allowed 384 spots and what's currently there is 411. Mm -hmm. So it is, a, it is a bit more, but it's not like radically, it's not double. <laughs> we're, we're not slashing in half what they would want, what they would typically mm -hmm. build mm -hmm. for something like that. Commissioner Weich. I have a couple questions. <laughs> So the first one is um, trying to understand the comment from Brian Chambers around the parking structures. And um, the changes in the code that he was concerned about. So when I look through the code, there's lots of strike throughs on the parking structures. And it seems like it was only 5197 that seemed to be close to what he was concerned about, the design of vehicle parking facilities. Um, but that just seems to be discussing how, not the pushing into parking structures as the solution for not having the surface lots available. And I'm trying to make sure I understood what he was commenting on as it relates to the code changes? Um, I'm not sure what, I guess what I was presuming is that you could, I think, I think the conversation here is about the tension of the evolution of land use. We have a, right. we have a very auto centric pattern of development. We've rezoned it to try and shift that tide. Right. One way you could do that is, um, and this could be where, I, I, I can't speak for him, but this could be where he was going, is that to allow parking, even at a rate of one per 330 square feet, which even it might be in parking structures, you are dedicating volume in this area that could otherwise be put to a more productive use. Could be housing, could be office, could be retail. So, I guess what I was interpreting is that whatever we can do to use to maximize the volume of productive space used by people rather than cars is better than dedicating space for cars. Presuming. I think I would I think this is it's a really interesting conversation sort of on the heels of our previous petition where I think about a restaurant like that. You don't get much more pedestrian oriented than that. Um, and even there, we hear about how important it is for the parking adjacent to their restaurant for their business model. And so um, what I suspect Commissioner Dish is sort of getting at is there's an evolution going to be happening here. It's probably, as it's constructed now, 
there will be parking associated with it. It will not be a hard line to say that the only way you can build 200 new units is if those 200 units are built without any parking. So I think that I think what Commissioner Dish and what Commissioner Gibrando are sort of hinting at is we're making it hard already by form to provide cheap car storage. But if it is core to the business model to have the re residential or retail or office space or whatever it is there, that some parking is provided. Um, we've heard in the past about office users coming to the table wanting, I, I will sign this lease if you give me one, you know, I need X spaces per square feet. The maximum says that you can provide costly parking up to that maximum if that works for your business model. Eliminating the maximum would allow you to provide whatever that parking ratio it is to get that pro forma to work, but it has to be structured. So it's still limiting the impervious surface. It's still impacting what I would say it's shifting from a more to a more urban form from a more suburban form. But I think, you know, I, th I think as Commissioner Abrams is talking about and Commissioner Disher coming from, I, part of this is where is the commission in the city's comfort level in seeing this evolution? Max, the max, I think the maximum is reasonable. I don't, I think that there is gonna be some limiting factor just by the nature of it has to be structured. So yeah. if there are no maximum, Unlike surface parking, I think that there is going to be little incentive for people to provide more than they can absolutely get away with because it's very costly. Yeah. So can you clarify something you said at the end, which was it has to be structured? Mm -hmm. And are you using that in a technical term, meaning it is a parking structure mm -hmm. versus a parking lot? A vehicle, so the vehicular use area mm -hmm. is a surface parking lot open to the sky. Yep. Parking under a building in a parking structure that is either incorporated into a building or separate on a site with a development, those are not going to be vehicular use area. Okay. Okay, because you said in, I'm assuming in the TC1, the parking, what that sentence meant was that the parking has to be structured. So it has to, it can't exceed, we know it can't exceed the form and all of that because of the lot. So I think I have that in hand, but I just, want to be clear that what I thought I heard Mr. Chambers say was the changes that we're making in the code is going to force people into building parking structures. And that is what is problematic. Or allows, right, yeah, them right. to. Yeah. And that the citizens of Ann Arbor would or would be surprised that that's the trade-off that's happening here. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I'm trying to clarify. Like, mm -hmm. is he correct? Is mm -hmm. it, well, without ass assessing correctness to him, is, mm -hmm. is what his comment is conveying a correct assessment of what we are changing? Or is it an incorrect assessment of what we are proposing a change for? Is what I'm trying to grasp. I am I'm, I'm presuming we all are. <laughs> um, well, just based on his previous comments, I think Mr. Chambers is very, um, I would say, pretty aggressive as it relates to sustainability. Yes, goals. he wants he wants as and much so I'm interpreting as possible it as, where we can put it. <laughs> uh, 
perhaps he would be more comfortable that you get a vehicular use area no bigger than the building, and that's all you get. Okay. So that would be the that would be the trade off. Yeah. Otherwise, what what and, we are allowing is that you would be able to incorporate the parking into the building structure. Yep. So you could go underground or come up a few levels and then build your building okay. on top of it as long as it didn't exceed the or again next right. to it could be a right. parking structure that is adjacent to your building right. okay. remember you know one of the things about that form um, if you have a 10,000 square foot two-story building or a 10,000 square foot 10-story building that vehicular use area is going to be the same calculation. Right. Yes. So, the so the sort of the notion of the maximum is it says you only get so much surface area. Right. But we recognize as investment gets more intense, larger, you there might be a legitimate need for more parking, yeah. but it has to be done in a more sustainable, compact fashion. So we're not giving up as much land, a la mm -hmm. the current patterns in that area mm -hmm. that might preclude it from other new development. Commissioner Dish, did you have something else to yes. add? Okay. Yes, I wanted to, what I was, I, I think I was not as clear as I was trying to be, but I was trying to convey that what people want out of this district is multifold. And one of the things that has been consistent is people talking about mixed use. So the desire is not just to put residential where they're has mostly been office, but it's really to see the development of cities apart from downtown, right? Or downtowns outside of downtown, not cities. That would be strange. So, um, and for that to be the case, we either need to set, if we want to set parking maxims, we either need to delineate them according to use. So if you have a restaurant, we're going to let you have more. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a grocery store, we're going to let you have more. Or we need to come up with, we need to hit the, the sweet spot, the right number, the one that'll give enough flexibility so that, yeah, we know you don't need as much for residential, but you've got some office. So, you know, we've left you enough room under our maximum and, and you can do that. And so staff has recommended a three per 1,000 square foot of FAR maximum. And people like um, people who, who very much value this development being transit supportive and it being it, it, it increasing ridership and increasing transit service, right? I think that's what we mean when we talk about transit supportive is we're trying to do both, increase ridership and increase service. Those folks are saying, no, three is too high. Uh, and so you should make it two because we really want people not to have their cars. But then I have to raise my hand and say, but then what's going to happen to my mini downtowns? Because if you limit it to two, we might, you know, developers might just say, you know what, I can't, a bank, I can't persuade a bank that to loan me money to have a restaurant in here or a grocery store in here. And it is such a bummer to live on the north side because you have to drive five miles to a grocery store. I mean, you know, and, it, you know, you just, you have to drive out on Plymouth. And, I wish we had an Argus in our neighborhood. Um, uh, you know, and so I think what I'm trying to say is that these aspirations that we have for TC1 are many, and they pull against each other. They speak differently to that question of how big the maximum should be. And we also don't have a clear model anywhere else telling us what to do. Yeah. A lot of the other places we looked at didn't set a maximum. 
Some set them but differentiated them by use. And so I don't see that we have a lot of data for this. And I think that it is not a bad idea to, I mean, either we leave the more generous maximum of three, um, or three we- thousand. Yes, mm -hmm. not just three, yes, mm -hmm. three per thousand. I'm always afraid I'm gonna say the thing wrong. <laughs> yeah, three cars, that's yeah. it. 10 story building, three cars. Um, or we don't regulate this because we're, we're working in an area where there's a lot of things changing here. There are, there are not models elsewhere and we don't really know what this one size fits all right number is. And uh, so I'm sure that, you know, Mr. Chambers and Mr. Westfall will be l quite a bit more unhappy to see all maximums <laughs> removed rather than to have the maximum reduced. But I am not, I, I would really need to oppose strongly reducing this three per thousand square feet maximum because it, it really does not, it doesn't comport well with the mixed use desire. So. Are we gonna get a million of these projects right away? And will we have made a big mistake if we, you know, if we leave it at three, if we take it away and see how the developers themselves with their financial institutions calculate how much parking they can afford to, to build? I don't really know. Commissioner Clark. Um, I guess I just Could want- Get a little closer. Um, I guess I would just want to be cautious, especially with the um, parking structures, especially that we're not just going to be adding permanent dead zones to something that we're hoping for people to take public transit into, things like that. Um, parking structure isn't something easily undone, and a lot of the developers that are coming and working, they might. I mean, Ann Arbor is one of the most walkable cities in the state. Most of the developers, especially that are coming from other areas, are maybe going to have um, a skewed view of what is possible. And there's no, um, sure, I guess the banks can have a preference on what they're going to fund. But if there's a policy in place that requires them to push the limit a bit, I guess I don't see what else could be effective in pushing developers and nudging them towards lower parking maximums or lower parking ratios, um, because if they're headquartered in more like, you know, in suburban Detroit area, their status quo, we're just going to keep getting the status quo. Um, and so I guess pushing that a little bit on parking and especially the structures just, uh, I guess makes me nervous. I've never been to a transit accessible area with a lot of parking structures on it. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit confused about so if the parking structures, would that still, if we were to remove the parking maximums, could they build unlimited parking in a parking structure, just to be clear? Like unlimited height or whatever the limit to the zoning? Yes, without the maximum, they would not have a maximum. So if they wanted to provide four spaces for every 333 square feet, they would have that ability. Um, I don't anticipate that happening because um, it's pretty expensive. And I would, um, and to your comment, there, there are many buildings downtown that have structures integrated into them. Um, we have the public structures, but we also have many residential buildings that have structures integrated into them as well. So, is so there I, 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 okay. it can work. Um, it can fail. 
Um, we have both those examples in our downtown. Um, but I think um, one of the things that the TC1 has going for it is all the attention to the streets, the street frontage design requirements, um, you know, the mixed use within the proximity to the corner. Um, so um, we've insulated ourselves to an extent, I think, to some of the more terrible manifestations of parking structures. <laughs> So a parking, just to clarify, a parking structure doesn't have to be in conjunction with another use in a building. It could just be a, a completely like a five-story parking structure with nothing else. No, it's else. part of the TC1 use. Um, let me check this, but I think it is not a principal use. It can only be done yeah. okay. when it's yeah. an accessory to another primary use. Okay. And I think the other thing, just to kind of follow up, my understanding, Commissioner Clark, is that it can't really be suburban because the because of the form-based piece of it where you can't get any bigger than the building. So they can't build acres and acres of parking because they're automatically limited by that. And so you can really only go up or down and it's incredibly expensive to do that. And I don't know that the rents are ever gonna support that kind of expense for the zones that they're in. If it was downtown, that's a whole different story because they can charge those kinds of premium yeah. rents. Yeah. It could evolve towards that. I, I think the thing that is really tricky about this is something that you talked about, Mr. Leonard, which is like how this is an evolving use. We want to see it to be, we want it to become transit oriented, but we're not totally there yet right now. And so we're in this awkward space of being able to try to incentivize towards it but not make it so that nobody does it because it just doesn't work yeah. um, in terms of bank lending in terms of the markets whatever and so i think that's like the really tricky part of trying to figure out all these different mechanisms we have a couple of them with the footprint business with the structure business and all that kind of thing I, Frankly, I think the structure thing is probably not going to happen in these areas because we just can't charge enough. It's not premium enough. I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know, Commissioner Dish, one, it will become a little node and will become like super successful. And, you know, it makes sense to put structured parking there. But right now, it's just, it just can't happen in terms of what, um, what people can actually charge for rents in the far flung areas that are not this, the, the downtown. Yeah. Um, so I think the crux of it for me is how we can hit this sweet spot of incentivizing towards it, still allowing though for some flexibility for kind of what people need now and where we want to go. And I think that's, for me, that's the tricky part is kind of knowing which lever we pull or which levers we pull to be able to kind of push in the direction we want to go, but also have it happen. I mean, that's, the, I guess, the thing that I would be concerned about is, is, is uh, like, will people, if, are we limiting it too much so that we're basically just getting residential? And, and I agree with you, Commissioner Dishit, that's like better than nothing, for sure. Um, but I think we're all hoping for it to be a little more vibrant in that way and not just kind of apartment buildings and, and nothing underneath them. But Commissioner Abrams, you had something to say. Yeah, I wanted to just maybe return to Commissioner Dish's comment about the lack of data, which I also feel <laughs> in this in this decision and in this deliberation. And but I again, 
I think one the one data point or one of the data points that we do have is the existing amount of parking at Arbor Hills and here on Village, which is the Whole Foods on Washtenaw. So I just want to return to that for a moment because I think what we have to remember is like if these are mixed use, three three per thousand is really high for residential use. And so if you have a building that is 80% residential and 20% grocery store at three per thousand, you may be able to get there for your grocery store. So I, I don't think, in other words, uh, three per thousand gets you 384 spots at Whole Foods. They built 411. But now imagine that 80% of that square footage was residential. There would be way more parking than you needed. So I think we have to remember that the three per thousand is a blended number across multiple uses. Prime, majority probably square footage of which is residential. So I think it's not as restrictive as it is on its own if it's just being applied to a grocery store or restaurant use. And maybe the other thing I wanted to mention was, hold on, because it just slipped out of my brain as I was saying. <laughs> we all understand this. Oh, I know. I'm not proposing that we remove the footprint restriction, but I think that that's actually far more restrictive yes, <laughs> than way, the maximum. Way more. Way and more. I, so I don't want to remove the maximum. It, I don't think that actually releases pressure mm -hmm. on the situation. And I hope that we are moving towards the maximum and not away from it. And I guess, oh, I know. The one other thing I was going to say is I think I, I, I sympathize with the um, dilemma that you're describing, uh, Commissioner Gibrandal, and I feel similarly, but I think I believe quite strongly that if you make it easy to park, people will drive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if we make it like less easy to park, <laughs> people will find other ways to get there. And I understand that there's this sweet spot where if you make it too hard, people won't go at all. Um, and that's what we're trying. But I think I feel like we have found a moderate way to try to incentivize and pull things in a particular direction without being totally, um, you know, cutting off our, what is it, nose to spite our face. So that's kind of where I'm, where I'm ending up right now. Commissioner Clark. Just a quick, so the parking maximum would include, so three per thousand feet, that would include structured parking, so that would say, like, and then if we were to get rid of that, you could build unlimited, uh, that's, yeah, definitely in favor of keeping that maximum. Did you want to say something? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do just want to, um, the form-based limit is the big kahuna. Yeah. You know, that is the cheapest parking to provide. That is the most offensive parking, right? It's, we are filling in our parking lots all over downtown, right? right? We have better use for those. And that's what we're doing. So I feel like we have won a big victory there. And there are other pressures that, there are financial pressures that incline a developer not to over-provide parking on top of what they can get with their surface lot. So their surface lot is included in their maximum, right? So their surface lot, they're not going to get to three per thousand square feet unless they have whatever, a two-story building, which God knows we hope they don't. Right. Um, they go higher. But we hope they are going to go higher, right? 
And so they're not going to get to their three per thousand with their surface lot. If they want to get closer or all the way, probably they don't want to get all the way because that's going to cost them an arm and a leg, uh, then they need to put structured parking. And my, you know, my concern, I think the worst, one of the worst things that could happen with the TC1 zone is that we do get a lot of two-story buildings. Right. That would be a real devastating loss of what we were looking for here. We wanted, and I'm going to use it, density. <laughs> right? We wanted to increase housing opportunities, and we really hoped that they would also come with services. And ending up with uh, shorter buildings because people decide, okay, I'm not going to provide any structured parking. I'm going to, I've got my surface lot for my footprint, and I'm going to just stick with that. Um, I'm going to do what I can do with what I can get out of my surface lot. That would be so sad. We really wouldn't have affected a transformation of the kind we're looking for. And so, I mean, just, again, I feel like there are limiting factors built in, and we can come back and regulate if we feel like those aren't sufficient. But I don't know why we think we know when we don't know. And, you know, we need to, regulation be based on evidence, and I feel like we, we do not have enough evidence from this experiment. Um, to, to name a number. But, you know, but honestly, in the end, I don't feel like I'm not going to go home and cry if we keep this in here, nor will I fight tooth and nail on council to remove it, because I don't think developers are going to go up to three per thousand. I don't. I don't think they can afford it. So. I'm curious. Commissioner Dish, because we, as the Planning Commission, don't really, we, we're not supposed to be talking to people about this, but you, as a, as a city council person, that is part of your role, is to be able to talk with people about these things. Mm -hmm. So have you had conversations with people that are kind of informing your discussion around this in terms of like learning more about how this works? I'd just be curious for you to share anything that, that you have, um, learned with people that are sort of saying like, you know, it's the banks, loans, well, you know, whatever it is, like that, that could be helpful for us. Yeah, I don't think to... I've learned anything definitive. I mean, mm -hmm. I have learned that nobody wants to overprovide structured parking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we had, I believe, when we discussed this last time, and Mr. Leonard said that two-story buildings were a possible unintended consequence mm -hmm. of what we are doing. Um, I believe Mr. Moore was in the audience and nodded his head at that. Um, and I've, t but I don't, you know, I haven't heard anybody say to me, oh, if you put that three per thousand square foot maximum, I'm not even gonna entertain this. I have not heard that. What I've heard is specifically from one person whom I, well, and I also spoke with Mr. Moore, but um, that, Nobody wants to overprovide, and they have very detailed calculations, way more than we do, thinking about uh, if I have this parking, I can double use this during these hours. And, you know, they're thinking because this is money to them. This is directly in their profit line, and they have more experience and more data. So, but as I say, uh, I, don't, I don't think that the three 
per thousand is so restrictive that we're screwing up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would not lower it, despite the concerns that we've heard raised. Commissioner Clark, is that a hand? Yeah, just uh, one last question. I won't, you know, prolong this much longer. But I um, just want to throw out there that, you know, one of the things in, like, the American Planning Association is that there's projected need for less parking in the future as we move towards other ways of, you know, ride-sharing or, you know, those ride-sharing models and all that, so, you know. But we can't unbuild a, a parking, like, structured parking. I guess I'm not clear on if structured parking should be a goal. Because um, it's like I just, you know, looking up, $5,000 estimated for a surface parking space versus um, the cost of the developer 25 to 35,000. So yeah, it will add a lot to their costs. But on the other hand, you know, if they do overshoot that, we're the ones that are stuck for 50 years paying the price with the parking structure there. I mean, you go to Detroit and you see structured parking everywhere that's empty. Um, it to me, I guess I would want to be cautious about um, structured parking. In general, I get that it would have, you know, be underneath residential and things like that, but it's just a point. Um, and then the other thing is, I think sometimes there's a, people's perception of parking might be off, you know, you, with the parking, downtown especially with the surface lots, um, they're easy to be undone. You can build on surface lots. You can't do that with structured parking, for one. Then two, there's a lot of people that might um, be troubled by the removal of surface parking, you know, by the farmer's market. But one block away is a structured parking lot that's never full. And I think that sometimes people's perceptions of the parking situation don't necessarily line up with what they are. And that can go for both the average person going to visit downtown as well as a developer who may have never even been to Ann Arbor, may not understand the local that it is. We do have relatively good transportation. And if a parking, and you know, if, if pushing them a little bit to have to go and make an exception, because there's not like any hard and fast law with a banker that says they cannot lend. I mean, they have policies in place and they have preferences and formula has to fit the pro forma. Um, but again, like I said, three spaces isn't particularly restrictive. Um, and so I guess that's just the direction I'd like to see the conversation go and would be looking at best practices and other cases on um, whether structured parking is an investment and a trend that we want to keep in our community for 50 years, you know, it's a long-term commitment, not just like right now it might be too expensive, but we don't know in the future um, where things are going to go. Commissioner yeah. Abrams. I have a question about something totally different. <laughs> So I'm just wondering when, when, when it's the good time to transition to that. Um, but I'm, if other people have comments about this, I'll wait. Uh, okay. Um, I wonder. I was wondering about the deferred parking mm -hmm. al allowance for bicycle parking, and maybe a little context for why we allow a deferral of up to 40% of the bicycle parking spaces, and also whether um, I'm noticing that. And I know that this is, it already exists in the ordinance. It's not new, but, um, and that the owner has to install that deferred parking if the planning manager determines that some or all of it is needed. And I wondered what is the process by which, does that ever happen? And what would the process be for that to happen? I can start off with um, giving you a little bit of background about that section. Um, since I worked on the first bicycle parking um, requirements that now require class A, B, and C. 
Um, we um, included the 40% deferred um, to apply to bicycle parking as it currently did at the time apply for uh, vehicular parking. Um, we, we did so because, um, again, we wanted to provide some degree of flexibility because we, we were sure that not every petitioner and development project was identical. And um, we, want, we wanted to build in some degree of flexibility, recognizing that um, some, some projects might have a strong demand for uh, bicycle parking and some projects might have a very weak demand. Uh, for instance, if you're a project in and around downtown, particularly residential, you're much likely to have a, a much higher demand for bicycle parking. If you're on the periphery in an office building, like five miles from downtown on Ellsworth, the likelihood that you're gonna have <clears throat> a ton of bikes coming to that site is is really quite remote. Uh, and so we wanted to build in um, some degree of flexibility, uh, which would allow people to defer up to 40%. They would need to show it on a site plan, show the complete total numbers of spaces on the site plan, but they could identify 40% of those spaces to be deferred. Um, and that at any time, the developer or uh, the planning manager decided that those spaces needed to be installed, they, they would need to be installed. This um, would allow us in some cases to reduce the amount of imperviousness because bicycle parking is required to be on uh, a per, uh, um, an impervious surface like concrete or asphalt. So that's a little bit of the background. Um, maybe uh, planning manager Leonard can, can talk a little bit about uh, what what he would go through if, if being, um, if, if, if we run into a circumstance where we might need to require additional parking spaces be installed. Sometimes at staff, we uh, point fun at city planner Khan as being overly experienced. Um, <laughs> but it's times like this that I really appreciate um, uh, your perspective and you got a great history with this. Um, I would just add, um, I don't think in my time here at the city, nearing six years, that I've ever been part of a conversation to trigger deferred parking, either bicycle or vehicular, um, to be installed. Commissioner White. Anything we can do to increase the bicycle parking, I'm in favor for, because I just recently tried to go from my house on the west side of Ann Arbor to Jackson Road and if you've ever had to go from Sio Church and Main Street to Jackson, it is not a safe path to, to traverse that on a bike, even on an e-bike, where you might be going at the speed of the traffic. And then when I arrived at my destination, there was no bike parking. And um, it, it's, it's sort of hard, because then that forces me into my car where I have a mode of transportation that works, it's, it's, it's good. But so like, as we think through that reduction, um, and especially the, the thing that just triggered for me was the location that uh, from where Mr. Khan sort of gave us the reference. And from where I was, I'm outside of downtown, but I still wanna stay 
on my bike. I want to make more trips on my bike and less in my car um, for my own personal reasons, but then there are other benefits. But then when I get to my destination, if there's no place for me to park my bike, and I think a lot of us actually bike <laughs> at this table, um, th there's like that built-in disincentive. And, and um, Stadium Torch Jackson is a targeted TC1 area, and so like, how are we thinking about making it easier for people like myself and others who want to traverse our community on our bikes to get there if when we get to those destinations, there's no place for us to, to lock our bikes. So I, I wind up having to lock my bike to itself. <laughs> and, and that works unless someone has a big pickup truck and they just toss the whole thing in. Um, so j just you know, a comment um, as, we, as we sort of think um, through that. Yeah, just two thoughts. Um, so remember, this is a measurement of new plans. So if a new development is happening, it cannot occur, it, some bike parking has to be installed. So I'm guessing um, your experience was that um, something that hasn't been through site plan for a while, or they remove them without our knowledge. But um, to the point of the language, um, if desired, um, it's a sort of d a d distinct section in the UDC, if desired, um, the commission could propose striking that. What it would mean is no development would have that flexibility. Whatever the required bike parking was required would have to be realized at the time of site plan completion. So can we, would you, uh, let, me, let me understand the procedure, because this is a big block of changes that we're making as a, a single motion. So let's assume we pass it tonight and then we want it to target something that we changed, that we approved tonight for another revision later because of an unintended consequence, let's just say, like what we did that brought us here. Um, uh, is it worth you noting that now and holding it in our collective memory so like it rides somewhere where we can revisit it so that we don't have to like, because that UDC is fairly big, what, 280 pages, and I don't have it all memorized like you and Mr. Khan do. Uh, so um, if, if there's some way to note um, that, because I know our minutes don't, they're not like a transcript, but if there's somewhere in there to highlight that so that we can come back to it, um, that would be helpful. And then I, I, I did have a, a, another question about the parking. And, it, and forgive me um, if it's too trivial, but that will mean it's a quick answer. How would what uh, Commissioner Dish was proposing about removing the maximums have affected the um, Outback Steakhouse proposal on uh, state, and that is inside of TC1? So um, to your first question, uh, I would either note something like that in council proposed business, or we could add it to the future of the work program. But in this case, um, I think it's a pretty distinct and easy amendment. If the if the commission is of the similar mind, I think I would sure. just recommend you make that proposed change now at this table, and then when it progresses to city council, it would be accompanied with that modification as well. Okay. Um, as it relates to the Outback Steakhouse, um, the Outback Steakhouse would get caught up in the forum based. So what that means is um, their parking lot would not be approvable because its vehicular use area exceeded the footprint of the of building. the actual building. Yeah. But then that's, but yeah. that, the and issue why they wanted it is because of the use 
and yeah. so they wouldn't be able to have as many diners if they fit the TC1 exactly. And it would have to be two-story. Oh, right, which they wouldn't do, so I would take care of that. Okay, I, I was just, we got that anonymous thing at the beginning. I didn't know who it was from, and so I was sort of thinking through that. So. Okay, thank you. Um, what, can I ask the table what they think about the bike thing? Because I don't want to make a proposal if people don't, if there's no support. <laughs> Commissioner Dish. So it's, it's, but it's 40% of the bike parking that can be deferred. So it's not 100%. Right. There is bike parking provided and only in projects where it is initially not anticipated that there will be a big demand for a bigger demand for bike parking. Would that deferral even happen? But there would always be bike parking provided. But we're not talking about, because Mr. Kahn's comment was that it's the, the consideration is around the impervious surface. So we don't want to create more of that. So then we want to give this accommodation, as it were. Um, but the bike parking doesn't have the same space requirements. So I guess I'm just trying to understand what's the, why would we need to defer 40% of the bike parking when most of the bike parking is less than like 18 loops or, you know, in these spaces? Like, am I, am I missing something that's obvious? No, you, you, I don't think so. You don't have to defer it. Um, previously, we, the city would have petitioners come and say, hey, the minimum vehicular parking being required is more than I need. Which makes sense. And so we said, well, if we should at least provide some flexibility in that regard. We're not saying that you, you have to show us that you can meet that if, if needed, if there's such an impact on parking. And similarly, we provided the same to bicycle parking. Mm -hmm. I agree, the corresponding impact to impervious service, much smaller. Yeah. It's still potential. Um, and it, to be clear, in both circumstances, the stormwater system is designed based on the potential volume of that. So whether it's vehicular or bicycle parking, we are addressing the impervious. But at the end of the day, if 15 biking, bike parking spaces are required and um, the petitioner says, I think we're only going to need 12, right. um, it's just a pretty easy way to say, well, let's let's make sure we, we can just keep that impervious surface, avoid that impervious surface for that incremental amount. Um, if for some reason, um, Commissioner Weich goes there to buy his smoothie and he can't, he can't find bike parking, we could decide you need to add the other hoops. So I, I totally agree, it's, it's much, much more incremental than the vehicular parking, but it was intended to follow that same, that same method. And the reason you're only seeing the bicycle now is because now that vehicular is eliminated, there's no, there's no longer that need. Right. I'll, I'll defer to Commissioner uh, Abrams if, if she, since she started the conversation, if she has thoughts about where we should go with it. I would be inclined to leave it for the time being since it's just the 40%, um, but I just wanted some context and I was just also curious to know what the process would be if you went there and there was, you wanted more parking. Um, and if that ever happened, it sounds like it doesn't happen, but now we know that it can, so um, rare, yeah. yeah. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, anecdotally, there's no bike parking at the Power Center, which I know is a University of Michigan, but like even just in really populated areas, there's places with no bike parking. I'm kind of inclined to strike it, frankly. <laughs> I, and I'm glad you brought it up. And I know that um, because I feel like this is where we're trying to incent, like I love it when I show up to a place on my bike and I get the best parking <laughs> for the site because I'm close to the door, I don't have to deal with anything, and I feel like, yeah, we should be rewarded for doing this, you know, this more arduous thing that is good for the planet and good for all kinds of things, you know? And um, I feel like when these people are, when developers are designing these sites, I don't think they're like looking at how many bikers are actually coming here and i don't think that they have the same models for that stuff that they do for cars frankly mm -hmm. i just don't think they do and i think that we should be showing what we want there and and that we're limiting the other stuff with, with the cars and i feel like we if, if somebody pulls up and they're in their car and they see wow look at all this bike parking that kind of says something too and i think that we want to encourage people to do it. We want to grow into that. And I think that, you know, your average person besides Commissioner White who shows up on a bike is going to say, oh, I can go to the city. And I bet that they deferred this bike parking. And I know how to make that happen. Nobody knows how to make that happen. And so I would rather, aside from our anecdotal experience where we happen to bike in town, because we know, you know, there's very few of us that are going to ever realize that. And it's a pretty simple fix, according to, you know, Mr. Leonard. I kind of feel like, why not, is, is my, my feeling. So I'm with you, actually. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Um, but that's, it, it's such a small area. I mean, each hoop is two spaces. You know, so, so it's, you know, it's 24 square feet. It's four by six. It's not that big compared to a, a, a car parking spot. In a way, it's not dissimilar to our approach with EV parking. It's recognizing, ideally, exactly, right. that the mode share is going to move more and more in that place. I don't know if mode share for EV vehicles isn't quite right, but um, I don't think it's dissimilar. It's perfectly appropriate that even in those circumstances that Mr. Khan was identifying or that Commissioner Weich has experienced, when those site plans happen, providing that infrastructure helps over time to cultivate more usability for those destinations as the city hopefully is making progress on its sort of route and infrastructure benefits as well. Yeah. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Since Commissioner Weich asked, I'll just say for my two cents, if I, I'm agnostic, so if somebody proposes to eliminate it, I'll support it. If we want to leave it, I'll, su I'll support it. Since you asked, I'm fine either way. And I don't bike, so I defer to those of you who do. Commissioner Dish. So it sounds like we're talking about a pretty trivial amount of impervious yes. surface. And I will say that when I'm finally able to bike again, I like having a hoop to myself. <laughs> you know, I don't like having to, you know, uh, you know, and you're trying to lock and everything. So, yeah, why not? You know, let's just put those three extra darn hoops or whatever. And, and just one final comment, which is, it's the other Whole Foods. There's only three loops that are um, outside of that structure between the Whole Foods and REI. 
and I have arrived at Whole Foods and not been able to lock my bike. Right. <laughs> and yeah, which is, you know, but you see this vast parking lot yeah, <laughs> that, right. and it goes on because it's the whole development from, from uh, Eisen, you know, Eisenhower and uh, Maine and the, the, the cut into the neighborhood. So um, yeah, if there's support and Mr. Khan's okay with it, uh, we'll, I, language from Mr. Leonard, and I will go ahead and move it, but. So the, um, a proposed motion might be to strike the proposed section um, 5.19.4, deferred parking requirements altogether. 5.19.4. Okay, so moved. Second. Okay, Commissioner Abrams, second. So this would eliminate deferred parking. We are already uh, um, impacting the deferred parking removal for vehicular through the elimination of minimums. This would extend that uh, removal to bike parking. All bike parking would have to be installed at the time of completion. Do we want to vote on this now and then move on to? Yep. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Yes. Commissioner Dish. Yes. Commissioner Lee is abstained. Commissioner Clark. Yes. Commissioner Weich. Yes. Commissioner Gibrandle. Yes. Commissioner Abrams who started this whole thing. Sure, yes. <laughs> All right, the, motion's been, the ordinance has been, the motion has been amendment to uh, strike that. Um, uh, I don't know if there's a proposed motion on the removal of the maximum or not. It feels sort of unresolved. Okay. Okay. Here, here. No. <laughs> I would, I, and I agree. I think, though, that we should be paying attention to this one over time because I think that we really need to see if we're getting what we want and that. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up amending this as it goes along. So that so I would give us all homework to be <laughs> paying attention to this because I think there is no easy comparison, as Commissioner Dish was saying, in terms of how other people have handled it. So, alrighty, are we ready for a vote then on the larger amended motion? All right, so this is the full adoption of the proposed ordinance changes. Commissioner, as amended, uh, Commissioner, hold on, let me get organized here. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Yes. Commissioner Dish. Yes. Commissioner Lee is abstaining. Commissioner Clark. Yes. Commissioner Weich. Yes. Commissioner Gibrandle. Yes. Commissioner Abrams. Yes. Uh, the minimum six required affirmative votes to forward a recommendation for approval to the city council. So how do folks feel? We have two more things to discuss tonight. A break? Yeah, I think, I think so. Okay, um, why don't, could we, uh, since we're getting a little late, can we make it five minutes? Okay. Back at 9.45. Thank you, Jeff.
concession and on item 9a which is other business and uh, we are going to be going over the annual comprehensive plan review um, and I will let Mr. Leonard lead this one. Sure. Uh, thank you for Commissioner Dish and um, highlighting that this could be reality. So you will recall at our last um, our last uh, meeting, we held a public hearing as stipulated by the Planning Commission bylaws on an annual basis. An opportunity to hear feedback about uh, our comprehensive plan, the elements within it, and if anything is recommended for um, consideration. Um, I am, uh, and typically, uh, often over time, the Planning Commission has affirmed um, the documents that comprise our comprehensive plan, and they have affirmed a series of resource documents that are also adopted by the City Council as just that thing. They are not adopted as comprehensive plans, but it's seen as information documents, sort of um, color commentary, if you would, on um, how the comprehensive plan is implemented. Um, Distinct from just affirming the status quo, this um, two resolutions here are presented that would both be adopted by the proposed motion in the staff report. One rel is relative to the comprehensive plan and one is to those uh, resource documents. Um, both of them recommend a full review and update to the city's comprehensive plan beginning in fiscal year 23 and commits this planning commission to the leadership to undertake this process and that the Planning Commission recommends the allocation of city resources to solicit both consultant assistance and internal support of a comprehensive update process. Um, in the, um, we talked about a little bit about, about this with the, the plan uh, subcommittee. Um, I've gone into a little bit of detail um, how I, just some very preliminary ideas about how I envision this process going. Um, highlighted in the memo specifically. I think that the most uh, attention warranted at this time are for five documents. The Natural Features Master Plan from 2014, the Downtown Plan from 2009, the 2009 Land Use Element, the Sustainability Framework for 2013, and the South State Corridor Plan from 2013. Um, more recent documents, the Parks and Recreation Open Space from 2016, um, that is also going through a distinct update process now. The Treeline Allen Creek Urban Trail Master Plan and the Moving Together Toward Vision Zero Comprehensive Transportation Plan that was just adopted last year. Um, I don't envision a lot of work on those documents, <coughs> excuse me, at this time. Um, we talked about some of the, the findings. Um, I've tried to articulate some of the findings that I envision as why it's time to update our comprehensive plan. First of all, the, the land use element was adopted over a decade ago, and some of, some of that was just a consolidation of plans that are now almost 30 year, over 30 years old. Um, We've talked a lot about how public institutions have started becoming more educated and knowledgeable and grappling with their role in systematic racism and economic segregation. Um, trying to update our comprehensive plan, recognizing that, and um, we talked at this table about um, taking sort of restorative policies to try to help not only acknowledge, but um, do our best to undo um, some of that in the future. Um, the last time we went through this update, we talked about elevating climate neutrality. Um, this has been more refined to recognize we now have the A20 Living Carbon Neutrality Plan and um, more fully and um, completely integrating the recommendations of that into our comprehensive land use planning documents. 
Um, and then a couple um, of maintained categories, I would say, more in the uh, previous. Uh, one is affordability. Um, affordability remains an acute challenge for the city of Ann Arbor as a lot of other communities, and I think that also has to be a considerable focus of any sort of comprehensive plan update. And finally, that resolution that identifies eight planning documents, I still have an aspiration that we collapse and condense our policy documents to make them more accessible um, to not only the public, but to you as board and commission members and to the city council um, and all of us carrying out the work of those goals. So uh, my recommendation is your adoption of this ordinance. This would be forwarded to the city council um, and um, would hopefully cultivate in a very successfully um, rooted in community engagement update to our com comprehensive plan that shouldn't take more than three months to three years. <laughs> and I'm happy to answer any questions. Alrighty, we do not have public hearing on this since we already held a public hearing on this. So we are just up for discussion at this point. So does Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Yeah, just in reading through the, what are you calling this? Resolution. Um, I'm curious why in like the planning documents listed below, you're, you've not listed A20 as like a support document. Because all those documents are specifically adopted into one of those categories by uh, the city council and the city council did neither for the A20. They adopted the plan, but they did not specifically tie it to the city's land use policies. Okay, but it could still, we could still use it as a resource that yep. the consultant will still use. It. Okay, all right, thanks. Commissioner Abrams. Um, I think this is great. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I just had one small uh, maybe suggestion for editing the resolution to be more, give a little bit of urgency to the task. So uh, one, two, three, in the fourth paragraph, the last word, it says um, that the review is warranted. And I thought maybe we could say necessary or needed or something. Like it's more than just simply justified, but maybe we feel that it's really overdue. Um, and similarly, at the end, the first resolve, second resolved clause, uh, fiscal year 23, I wondered if we could just say as soon as possible or something like that, or, or, or if, is there a reason to be more formal with the fiscal year language than something more? Uh, I'd be fine with either fiscal year 23 is the first resources that we have allocated to our financial resources. Um, so that is as soon as, that is te the technical as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it uh, <clears throat> that starts July 1 of this year. Right, I suppose I just don't wanna leave any room. I want to be clear that we think it should happen July 1 and not uh, June 15th of 2023. <laughs> Maybe beginning immediately in fiscal year 23 could be added to that resolve clause. Yeah. Um, and then I had just similar in the, in the second resolution, um, it says in the second resolved statement, resource documents above in the coming years. And I thought we could similarly revise that to, to be more, have a little more urgency to the timeline. Thank you.
Commissioner Lee. Uh, in reviewing my notes from two weeks ago, I think, um, Mr. Leonard, you did an extra, excellent job actually summarizing pretty much everything that we discussed and kind of hitting all of the salient uh, items. Um, land use plan, natural features. Um, I think we, you also mentioned resolving the conflicts. Uh, my question procedurally is, is your memo and the proposed planning commission motion also um, a part of the city council package? Okay, gotcha. Because I would be remiss that it, if only just the approved motions were, okay, perfect. Um, other than that, yeah, uh, I agree with Commissioner Abrams' suggestion about putting a little more sense of urgency, I suppose, on these items. But aside from that, just wanted to say, uh, it seems to accurately reflect our discussions from two weeks ago and would be in support of this. Thank you. Anybody else? Uh, well, people are uh, considering a couple of proposed amendments uh, to the comprehensive plan resolution. Um, I think the term was used, and I was just going to suggest an update to the city's uh, ends with update to the city's comprehensive plan documents is urgent. Yeah. Um, the first resolve clause um, beginning immediately in fiscal year 23. And then on the corresponding comprehensive plan resource documents, uh, perhaps change the coming years to um, uh, immediately in fiscal year 23 as well. Should I move to make those amendments to the resolution? Um, I don't think we have Separately. a motion on the table yet, so you'd just be moving the resolution as adopted, mm -hmm. as amended. Ah, got it. I don't want to cut off. I won't do that unless we're ready. Is there any other discussion? Okay. So am I just reading this one sentence motion or am I doing... just the one sentence motion? Okay. All righty. There we go. One resolved. Um, so the motion is resolved that the city and our city Ann Arbor City Planning Commission thereby approves the 2022 Comprehensive Plan Resolution and the 2022 Comprehensive Plan Resource Documents Resolution. Moved by Commissioner Dish, seconded by Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Um, okay, I guess we do not need a roll call for this one. So all in favor say aye. Raise your right hand. Uh, there was no motion on the table, so we're yeah. so we just modified we oh. we just approved a modified version of what was in your packet. Okay. Is everybody okay. clear on so that one, modification? One more time. Yep. Okay. So all in favor, say aye. 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 Any nays? Okay. Then it passes. All righty. So then we are on to nine B, which is um, the work program. Okay, um, you will recall, you've seen this work program at, this is the third consecutive meeting. Um, you saw it preliminarily uh, at the last April meeting, just starting to get the, the format, the content um, started. Um, you have the benefit of the public hearing to consider updates to the comprehensive plan um, to see if there's anything that you heard that should be reflected in your work program. And so now this work program is being presented to you for adoption. 
Um, as a reminder, it's a little bit different format from what we've done in the past because I like the colors. Uh, the top is comprehensive plan and other, I would say, administrative type work. You'll recall we have added some of the source or basis of why things are here. Um, in the top segment, it tends to be uh, state planning legislation, city code, or our bylaws. Once we move into the green section, which is ordinance amendments, uh, attempting to identify these on a, a yearly basis. Um, we've also put in what are some of the corresponding origination of those requirements. Um, sometimes I will note that they have evolved from commission proposed business, but they are relate to a proposed plan goal. So um, I have put, we've put together, as you will recall, this is more um, ordinance amendments than we typically do on average, but these were the group that seemed to rise to the top through those two previous conversations. Um, I'm going to preemptively tell you that I am envisioning at the bottom of this first page, um, before you go into 2023 on the next page, that white, that white stripe on the document, that is a impermeable barrier. So in the event that you would like to add something above that, that means you have to pull something else out or our stormwater capacity is not going to, <laughs> is not going to, it's not going to be sound. So, um, uh, the memo is a simple motion, approving this work program, um, directing me and my staff to try to get all of this done for you in the time identified. Commissioner Abrams. Just a uh, question, the years are calendar years or fiscal years? That is an excellent question. Uh, typically they have been, um, typically they are fiscal years. Um, they are typically adopted sort of on that schedule. This would be adopted for the coming fiscal year. I would really like to morph towards a calendar year because the fiscal year is doesn't really mean much to most people other than our finance financing. So that's to say my goal is maybe we shoot to do, a, it, it, this would be 22 calendar year. This is still pretty ambitious for that. So I wanna I want be honest. Yeah. I'm not terribly optimistic that I'm gonna get all this done, but I would, I'm happy to start and do my best. Commissioner Weich. Did we, uh, what happened to unzoning? Uh, we talked about uh, perhaps at a retreat or a working session talking about, um, we talked about on zoning, we talked about commissioners bringing uh, ideas as part of that discussion. Um, I have not put it in here um, yet because I, f I feel like we've identified that as sort of more of an exercise than a defined ordinance amendment in the context of these other things. If that's something you'd, we'd definitely like to elevate, I think it would be in that discussion of um, perhaps prioritizing it over something else that's in this here now. And we just did the parking regulations. Yep, the top two you can pretty much ignore because now with the parking regulations, um, those are just on here. They're, they're going to city council next both. So we have two slots. Uh, no, 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 sir. 
it, it is May. Uh, yeah, I just want to make sure that the unzoning um, doesn't get yep. lost. And I do think it, it'd be a great retreat discussion. Yeah, yeah and it just it feels like if it doesn't, if it's not somewhere written down that we can all see and refer to, then I feel like we have to keep asking for it. So if you're unwilling to take the parking regulations and the use, uh, the UDC delta changes, you could leave it under you. UDC delta changes and just take out what we've already accomplished and then you don't actually have to put anything new on there, Mr. Leonard, and then we can continue to add in that space. Uh, I would prefer not to do that. Yes, I can way. tell. However, <laughs> I think your point is good and it can be listed. Like as, yeah, as an I just interim think it step, needs to be listed. As so an interim step, I think we, we could add it to 2023. Yeah, just so that we know that yep. this is something that we want to accomplish. Yep. And I want to apologize to my colleagues and the general public. I had my earphones in, and I did not know I had them in until I left, and they disconnected from my computer. And I was like, what? Wait, I didn't even know I had these in. So I apologize uh, for that. I wasn't listening to anything. It's like jewelry for me. You I seem don't perfectly even know that engaged. I have them on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, one the proposed change would be to add, uh, I'm, I'm gonna call it unzoning for now, um, to the 2023 list, perhaps. Commissioner Abrams? No surprise. I would like to have parking maximums on a list, other than, like more specific than future, so I may have lost my chance to add it to 2023, <laughs> but, um, or maybe we could consider swapping, some bumping something down. But for the reasons I already stated many times tonight um, and previously, so I won't reiterate them, but I do think there's some urgency there. So uh, outside TC1, so kind of to consider it citywide to think about that. Um, and what would I be willing to swap? I, I, well, I, I guess some things are, are undefined to me. So like mixed use neighborhoods in 2023, I, it, I actually would need more information about the, what the scope of that is. Um, and maybe the one below it to the missing middle. Hmm. If hypothetically the commission were to add parking maximums also to 2023 and hypothetically we are also being ambitious for 2023, um, maybe that is a bit of an intermediate landing ground, a little more elevation than future, not quite getting started on it yet. And as long as we are thoughtful and, um, and just mindful of the progress we've made in 2022, I'm recognizing we might have to have some hard conversations in 2023. I don't, I don't mind being a little bit aggressive on that list, just recognizing we might have to make some adjustments. And then as we get further down, if we're in the planning process, we might have a better sense of missing middle, we might have a better sense of mixed use neighborhoods. So I, I guess I would just say I'm a little less scared about overpopulating 2023 with the caveat that I might come to you and say, we gotta, we gotta prioritize What's these. Yeah. So. Commissioner yeah, I wanna um, strongly support this because I think that um, Given our decision to proceed 
at a reasonable pace with the TC1 rezonings. I actually think that raises the urgency for parking maximums citywide because those other TC, until those are zoned, they are ripe for right. all kinds of parking, structured sea of concrete and, you know, whatever hovercraft, I don't know. But. Anybody else? Okay, shall I read the motion? So uh, the motion that is about to be read is pertaining to the work program as included in your packet with two modifications, adding unzoning and parking, adding unzoning to 2023 and moving parking maximums from future to 2023. And do we need to vote on that or is that uh, I just good? Nope, that's, so, I'm good. good. Okay. Yep. Just want to make sure everybody was clear about what they were voting on. Okay, so the motion is the Ann Arbor City Planning Commission hereby adopts the City Planning Commission work program. Moved by Commissioner Dish, seconded by Commissioner Weich. So are we, we're good? Vote on it. Roll call vote? Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I'll make it real quick. Just one point of clarifications on um, the 2023. It says drive-throughs, and I'm wondering if parking maximums, if that's like a completely separate, like in my head, I'm like, we're talking about vehicular use areas. Maybe those two can be combined, drive-throughs and parking minimum uh, maximums, or whether they should be two separate lines altogether. Um, I was trying to figure out, like, is it possible to combine those two? But just food for thought you could keep it separate I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of the modification regardless so um, I'd like to talk about it in 2023 I do believe it's a very important kind of lever for us to tackle but just wanted to at least um, for the purpose of not having that list grow absurdly long so I it, it, yeah we can leave them listed separately now I think they could end up being tied together okay. My two senses, I think parking maximums is going to be long and hard. Okay. Yeah, and drive throughs probably less so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, I mean, it just might be a question about sort of checking something off versus rolling it into something larger. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Forget I said anything. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Anybody else? Okay. So are we ready then? For, and can we just take this all together? We don't need a roll call. All ready. All in favor say aye. Aye. All right. Negative? Nobody negative? All right. It passes. Okay. So I believe we are on to item 10, which is audience participation. This is an opportunity for persons to speak up to three minutes about an item, any item of interest. If you wish to address the planning commission at this time, press star nine by listening by phone or use the raise hand feature in viewing through the web link. For phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand using the last three digits of your phone number or by name if available for those accessing through the web link. You will hear an automated announcement. The host is allowing you to speak. When speaking, please move to a quiet area, mute any television or background sound so that we may hear you clearly. For any speaker, please state your name and address at the beginning of your comments. Um, nobody's present. Any speakers virtually? There are none. Okay. All right. Uh, we are on then to item 11, commission proposed business. Is there anybody or did we kind of get it covered in our 
work plan discussion. Oh, sorry, little one. Commissioner Abrams. Um, in one of the communications that we received for this evening, uh, there was a note from uh, Mr. Westfall that points out that there may be a kind of inconsistency in the way we define what qualifies as a zoning, what qualifies as a parcel that can be rezoned to TC1. And I wondered when would be the appropriate time, some future date to, to, to have that conversation. Um, so he just, he, in, the, in the specific purpose statement, it says that um, there are rare instances when if you're entirely surrounded by these designated mixed-use categories, you could, could ask to be considered to be rezoned to TC1, but that the parcels that we are doing the city initiated zoning don't meet that criteria, so it feels, anyway, for a future discussion, but wondering uh, when we should have that. Add it to the list. Thank you. Anybody else? Commissioner Lee? Just want to say great job on running the meeting, Chair Randall. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> always tough to kind of step into that role. So just want to say good job. <laughs> All righty. I think we are on to item 13, which is adjournment. Oh, moved. Moved by Commissioner Dis and seconded by Commissioner Lee. All those in favor? Aye. We are adjourned. I get to hit the gavel too, right? Here we go. There.